Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Hey there, folks. It's Ian Levinstein. It's episode 171 of Comic Timing. And uh, this episode uh, is just going to be a general convention wrap-up. Plus, uh, we'll also be including, after that, the audio from uh, a panel that Chris and I did at Anime Next. Hey, look, it's Chris, and she's playing Fallout on her iPad. Hi, Chris. Uh, hi, and it's Fallout Shelter. Oh, Thank you very much. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. The game that won't be available on Android for months. And everyone's so bitter about it. It's a resource management game <laughs> that is not shitty for a resource management game. That's good. That's good. I just wish I could play it on my phone while I'm going to work and stuff like that. But I can't because it's only on iPad, and that makes me sad. And iOS in general, and that makes me sad. I'm crying now. No, he's not. He doesn't really care. He's been playing Splatoon for the past hour. Splatoon! Oh my god, that game is so much fun. It, it it's, a, it's a non-killing people shooter. It's pretty cool. I mean, you can kill people, but you don't have to kill people to achieve victory. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like paintball, where the main object is to just spread your paint all over the board, which is pretty cool. It's pretty fun. So, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's Thursday. It's kind of late. Yes, it is. We're talking about both special edition and anime next. I guess we should talk about Special Edition first, since that's the one that happened uh, the furthest from when we're recording this episode. Special Edition. Pier 92 slash 94. That place is not very nice. Um, The last time I was there was for uh, the, the Wizard World Big Apple Con. Yeah. And it didn't seem so bad, but mind you, it was pouring rain mm-hmm. and nobody was there. Yeah. I remember you bought like every issue of Young Justice for ridiculously cheap. I made that guy's day by buying that many comics. Yeah, I mean, we saw Rich Johnson just sitting at a <laughs> random desk. It was it was very empty, very quiet. Yeah. So none of the issues other than the uh, location were mm-hmm. really apparent. Because yeah. I remember back then it was a pain in the ass to get to. We were waiting for a bus that never came. We kept mm-hmm. seeing the New York waterway buses going by and we were so tempted to <laughs> abuse them. And uh, yeah, like the only thing that was apparent back then, this was what, 2007, 2008? Yeah. yeah. And, and you can even go back in the archive, uh, listeners, and listen to our Big Apple Wizard World wrap-up, which we did back then. Yeah. So it wasn't really apparent back then. It actually seemed kind of nice. It was very spacious. Yeah, I, I really don't remember much about it other than the fact that it seemed spacious, probably because no one was there. I remember the fact that Adam West was sitting there very sad and alone. Uh, Linda Hamilton walked into the the t-shirt booth, you know, yes! that all those t-shirts. I remember that. And she was just like hugging random people. <laughs> so, yeah, the problems were not apparent back then. This this long preamble. Yeah. To come to the point that so we're back there again. Pier 92/94 and it's it's balls. It's really bad. It's so balls. Like, okay, so now there's more people. Yeah. So the bathrooms are dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to go to the ladies' room, and they're directing women... Well, first of all, I try to go to this ladies' room, and they say, use the one in the front. But I saw a line at the one in the front, so I tell Ian, I'll just hold it. 
and later on, I actually go to the one in the front. I don't see a line, but the turns out the ladies' room is like really messed up. It's all fucked. Don't go in there. Biohazard. <laughs> like flooded or yeah, the the floor was wet. That's all ew, I saw. And they ew. told women, you know, don't go in there. Use the men's room. So they were closing off the men's room. So for this period of time, the men only had one bathroom. Yeah. In addition to you know. Right, and I saw lines, crazy ass lines for the men's room then because. Well, I guess they were just trading off, uh, you know, one one bathroom open for the men, one bathroom open for the women. I'll admit I laugh whenever I see a line for a men's. Oh, room I know, because you know, yeah. welcome to my world. That's how you know you're at uh, at a you know a gaming event or something like that, uh, or a comic convention yeah. when there's a line for the men's and not for the women's. Yeah, so it was it was pretty balls. And the thing is, the one thing that wasn't apparent back during Big Apple Con because that was raining. It wasn't raining this day. Mm-hmm it's very dark yes it is it's super dark so it's just this place with no bathrooms not doesn't have good lighting compared to javits north which has wonderful lighting yeah javits north is 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 a wonderland it has a bathroom every 10 feet it has (laughs) windows so you have natural light and it has good lighting inside of it yeah i feel like people who say oh well but it's like a warehouse blah 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 and like it's such bullcrap because you can go to a place like javits north and it's really well lit oh yeah i mean granted javits north was purpose-built just like mccormick in chicago was purpose-built McCormick is gorgeous. Yeah, Javits, Javits North is is much newer than uh, than Pier ninety two slash ninety four, so they they have more amenities to work with because uh, it was an addition to the Javits in the uh, in the renovation. Kind of makes you wonder why they don't just tear the building down if it's so bad. Yeah, good question. But yeah, so we're we're there for for special edition, and uh, I wanted to get there early because uh, Marvel was having uh, their their next big thing panel that day. So we got there at, uh, I guess, well, they opened at 10, so I guess we got there probably at about 9.30. And uh, there was a line from the uh, the entrance to the place down, like, what, like five, six, seven blocks, maybe? It, it went up, it wasn't that bad, it was maybe four blocks, but it went all the way up the park, and then it turned on, I think... We walked up 54th Street. Mm-hmm. I think we ended up on 57th Street by okay. the end. So it's about three blocks, but it's then two blocks in, so you're talking about five blocks total. Right. And, I mean, traffic was kind of backed up. There was, like, a bunch of DOT vehicles. That's Department of Transportation, and I think the Department of Sanitation had cars, so they must have a facility in that area. And yeah. they were, like, dodging around. And uh, the funniest thing to me was that um, somebody who was out for a test drive in a car <laughs> got, like, caught up with all these fans <laughs> walking all over the place. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, you know, I went up front uh, just to ask if there was, you know, a separate entrance for press or anything like that and was told no. And I wound up running into, uh, uh, I think her name is Mo, if I remember correctly, uh, like friend, a friend of mine from uh, from the Super Show slash CGS 10th anniversary crowd and stuff like that. We, you know, wound up chatting and I basically stood there while Chris and our friend David wound up on the line, you know, walking forward. And I eventually, you know, caught them on there, not realizing that. Most of the people that were on this line were not actually on the line to enjoy Special Edition, but to just get on another line to go buy New York Comic Con tickets. As it was reported on Bleeding Cool, people immediately walked in and walked onto the line. Yeah. And if you walk, you know, when you finally got in, yeah, you saw a good chunk of people were just standing over there, which kind of worked to our advantage because it meant that the floor was a little less crowded right. for the morning at yeah. least and i mean they wound up having to actually cut off that line there were that many people waiting to get their tickets and i, I i'm pretty sure that the line itself 
there were people standing on that line for at least two or three hours, and you were not actually guaranteed a ticket to New York Comic Con just because you were standing on that line. And there were some people who just, you know, were shit out of luck and wound up not getting the, uh, the you know, the three-day or four-day badges that they actually wanted. And uh, I think you were able to get uh, single-day badges also on there. I believe so. But either way, like, I mean, they essentially pay $35 just to wait on a line, which... I guess is a great business plan if you can take it. I mean, think about it. People paid what thirty bucks to go to special edition to stand online all day yeah. to buy tickets to another show, which means that they've cleared the floor mm-hmm. to make it more comfortable for the other customers. Right. You don't have to worry about really making them happy. Though the problem is, is when you have all your attendees locked up in this line, the retailers aren't going to be too thrilled. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the retailers uh, before we talk about the uh, the panel situation because that was you know sort of so so as well. I kind of felt like they were lacking in in retailers this time, even compared to what we had at last year's special edition, which really only had like like maybe five or six dealers, but they at least felt like they were good dealers. Like this time it was really hit or miss. I think you're getting spoiled by the fact that you go to New York Comic Con and you can go and there'll be like these huge booths hmm. for there'll be Marvel and DC and there'll be Capcom and Konami. Right. You know, Ubisoft, uh, Intel, uh, Gentle Giant. Yeah. You know, you'll see all of these booths for, like, these huge companies that want to get, like, you know, what you call the nerd dollar or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is basically sort of like the same retailer pool that Big Apple Comic Con would draw from. It's all local dealers, you know, small time. And, you know, it wasn't too bad. There were some interesting little things. Like, there was a guy selling, like, travel posters for mm-hmm. Fantasy World. Yeah, was There was that cool. lady who was across from him, I believe, was selling, like, Lego-made jewelry, which I thought was kind of cute. And stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of, it was a mixed bag. It wasn't as low rent as you would get. Like, I know, again, you were obsessed with how bad, like, new, uh, Big Apple Comic Con's yeah. uh, dealers were. But, yeah, it was definitely, like, a second and third tier type dealers. Well, my my, my main thing is that, like, I, I was at least hoping for a few different, say, like, you know, like, dollar bins or, you know, 50% off trade bins or $5 trade bins. And that would have made me happy. It's just I feel like there was maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, one guy that was selling, like, 20% off uh, comic issues, you know, recent issues, which, you know, at a show like New York and even Baltimore would have been a dollar bin. But, you know, here that was not to be the case. I, dollar bins are definitely on their way out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was joking. I was like, hey, I bought that for a dollar. bought that for a dollar. <laughs> bought that for a dollar. I think you're, we're going to we're seeing a demographic trend because of, you know, like the Marvel phenomenon. Everybody wants to go to Comic-Cons. Mm-hmm. So now we're getting that bubble again like we did in the early 90s when everybody was like, hey, it's a number one issue. I'm going to sell it for 20 bucks, yeah. you know, 50 bucks, which, $100. Which we're seeing even like Suicide Squad 1980s Suicide Squad, which like four months ago was going for two bucks a piece, sometimes even cheaper on eBay. People are now trying to sell that for like 15, 20 bucks a pop per issue just because a movie's coming out. And, you know, that, that that's that's totally inflated value right there. I mean, there's always going to be speculators. Oh, I know. No what you yeah, know. right. And, and it doesn't actually... I don't know, it doesn't really work too much to people's advantage uh, these days, especially because, you know, again, if you go to the right place, you're still going to find them for cheap. So don't bother going to eBay for things like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, we did wind up getting uh, pop vinyls, which which were cool. And, and actually, the pop vinyl seller that we saw was, was pretty good. I mean, he had a decent amount of selection and stuff like that. So that that worked 
feel uh, like there's always well. a big selection of pop vinyls. I remember at uh, New York Comic Con, I was like looking at Wall, and you walked away from me, and I was sad. Aww. Well, I wound up getting uh, Marcelin and uh, Ice King because bo- they both look pretty cool. I was tempted to get one of the Avengers Age of, Age of Ultron ones, since now that we have the Hulkbuster, uh, for, for those of you who watched the video, either on the Facebook uh, or on the YouTube, for comic timing. Uh, you know that I have the uh, the Hulkbuster that came in that uh, Marvel Collector Core box now, but I, I looked at the the other Age of Ultron pop vinyls, and none of them really caught my fancy. Like the the Hulk was okay, but a little too over stylized. The the Ultron just looked weird. Like what, from the box, yeah, from from, from or the from po- the vinyl, the, the pop vinyl. Uh, oh, the one. Yeah, it was okay. I, I, yeah, I, it did because they used like an insect type face. That yeah. was the general issue. No, I, I got confused for a second because remember the uh, the Ultron that comes in the. Oh yeah, no, that's a, that's that's adorable. It's also fun code. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just it's not it's not a pop vinyl. It's a it's one of their. Uh, what it, what I, would you call that a super deformed or like just like big head or or what? You got like, me. I don't know, chibi. Chibi. There you go. All right. Yeah. I guess it, it's closer to it to a chibi figure. In, in that aspect, but there were there were some you know Silver Age and and uh, you know Modern Age dealers on the floor or whatnot. It's just you know again like I, I would have I would have preferred to have to have gotten a little bit more value on the floor itself. I mean I mean do do you think that that, that there are, you know say dealers that might be actually like saving themselves for bigger conventions? No, because thirty dollars in June is just as good as $30 in October, except that you have the $30 now rather than later. Yeah. I mean, I rarely see people marking stuff up between one show or the other. I would expect people to mark up stuff, mark up their product more at mm-hmm. uh, New York Comic Con as opposed to Special Edition. Yeah. Uh, if only not because they can get more money, but because they need more money to pay for the booth. It's right. more expensive. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the panel space a little bit. It was just two different panel rooms, right? Like that. That's it was. They made two panel rooms. Of course, they were weren't actual separate rooms. They were curtained off uh, assembly areas with chairs and little stages yeah. and you know full you know screens and all that. Yeah. So. And and the curtains were not very effective separating the sound of the two panel rooms. Curtains are never effective. Well, I well when we were at the uh, the Marvel Next Big Thing panel, like that was the perfect example, like. They they were about halfway through their uh, their you know their general like you know run through of Marvel stuff when the panel next door started up and were booming louder than them and they had they 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 couldn't even hear themselves speak anymore. Yeah, that's more of an issue with where you put the speakers and also there's no reason why the panel rooms would even really need to be directly next to each other. Mm-hmm. You could have put one at one end of the hall and the other at the other end if you wanted to. Yeah. I, I, the panel was pretty cool though. I mean, at least uh, It was okay. It was a fairly standard Marvel panel. I mean, they were just announcing different things. The some of the Secret War stuff looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, ben, that's where Bendis announced it. He's going to be uh, the new writer for Invincible Iron Man with uh, Dave Marquez as, on the art. And I, I liked uh, Marquez's work on, on Ultimate uh, Comics Spider-Man, the Miles Morales title. So that should be pretty cool. The new Iron Man armor is going to essentially be able to be any Iron Man armor he wants it to be. That kind of makes sense considering it like oozes out of his body right now anyway, doesn't it? I think I think that was the extremist thing. Yeah, I I can't even keep track. I haven't been reading Iron Man. I stopped reading it after uh, Fraction left anyway, yeah. so... Yeah, I, I, I stopped reading it about only a few issues in the Gillen's run. I might wind up catching back up on the 
on Digital Unlimited. I was thinking about maybe going to the Digital Unlimited panel on Sunday, but after our uh, run through on Saturday, I realized that there really wasn't much bringing me back for a second day. And and that, that brings me to the question of, you know, is special edition actually a two-day con, or is it just the type of thing where you could just get one day and be satisfied? It's. I think people need to kind of get rid of that idea of conventions as a sort of destination. Mm-hmm. It's, well, there's two type. There's two different types of events. There's what I would call a convention, and then there's what I would call a show. Mm-hmm. A convention. The thing about it is, it's supposed to be a gathering of like-minded people. You know, you have your Shriners conventions. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, but, you know, yeah. you have your window treatments conventions, right. medical equipment conventions. Yeah. That's because it's supposed to be experts in the field. And when it comes to fandom, it's supposed to be here's this is a convention, a bringing together of Star Trek fans. This is a bringing together of, you know, Star Wars fans like uh, Celebration is a Star Wars convention. Yeah. And then you have shows, which is. We sell stuff, we have performances, you know, we have things to look at. Mm-hmm. And. I feel like, you know, a lot of things that still call themselves conventions like New York Comic Con or even San Diego Comic Con aren't really so much about bringing people together as they are destinations. They are places where you go to look at things Mm -hmm. and buy things. Okay. You know, like we just came from, you know, we'll talk about this later, you know, from Anime Next and... Anime Next is still a convention. It is where anime fans come together. People... There is more than just a dealer's room where you buy stuff. You know, there are cosplay meetups. Like right. here, all the Homestuck cosplayers meet out on the lawn at 3 p.m. on Saturday, yeah. and we're going to do a photo shoot. Right. Like, that is a meeting of like minds. Uh, something like New York Comic Con, I don't really think of, oh, here's where all the comic fans get together. I mean, just just like San Diego, mm. it is not a place for comics fans to meet each other. I don't exactly agree with you when it comes to New York Comic Con. San Diego Comic Con, I, I might I might uh, agree with Wait, you on. Wait, so you go to New York Comic Con to see other comics fans and talk about comics and do comics things with them? Uh yeah, I mean, like I, I, I know that there are that there are people that uh, that I only get to see, you know, once or twice a year that go to New York Comic Con that, you know, I, I talk comics with them. I, I, you know, wind up embracing the medium in one way or the other and, and the, with the amount of different panels and stuff that they have to offer that are still comic book related, it's very easy to have that experience at New York Comic Con. Still, I, I feel like New York Comic Con, and I mean, I know that people say that all the time, like, you know, San Diego Comic Con is still a comic convention. You just need to know where to find it. I feel like New York Comic Con is more comics than San Diego still. It is, but I really don't think of it as a conference anymore. It really is like when they have like retailer summits, that's a conference. You know, thinking of other cons like PAX is still sort of a convention, but they specifically now have in Seattle PAX Dev for developers to meet. Yeah. So there's still, again, that sort of community thing. I don't really feel like New York Comic Con does not have a community. You might have friends who show up at that, but that doesn't mean that they're really a community, you know? Mm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I. Because I you have your community of podcasters, but you don't need the con to get together. You guys just do your thing, you know, well, but you're the, used to. Well, but it's, it's not even. It's not even podcasters though it's it's also other fr- other friends and 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 comic book guys that you know i just you know just through through general fandom and whatnot i don't know i i i i just i just don't know if i subscribe to the same thought pattern there i think generally like where my thinking this is where uh you get things like fake geek girl fake geek girl you know chance 
because now you can go be in a convention and you can go up to somebody and you can ask them a question and they'll have no idea what you're talking about. It doesn't mean they're not a nerd, but it means that fandom is so fractured that you're not going to have that meeting of like minds. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. San Diego's already become, and it's not even like I think San Diego's bad or that San Diego was in for comics, but it's more like you're not, it's not a community anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't really think of it as a community. Like you're not just going to start talking to someone on the floor and have, you know, your inter- your fandoms probably won't intersect statistically. Yeah. And granted, I run into people all the time oh, I know. that I know. Yeah. We ran into people at Special Edition that we knew. Right. And Special Edition's still small enough that you'll know. Like, I mean, considering half of it was an artist alley anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're going to know half the people on that floor anyway. Well, well and uh, there's a reason that they, don't, that they don't actually call Special Edition a convention. You know, like that it is just called Special Edition NYC. It's a show. It's yeah, a show. It's a I mean, show. Granted, right. we know people there. You're going to run into people because, for starters, this is New York. Uh, you go to anything kind of nerdy, you tend to run into the same, like, 50 people or so. Yeah. Like, you know, go, I, I mean, a joke back in the day, you know, I could go to Jim Haley's Universe and, like, see these people and then walk down the block and go to Suncoast Video. Yeah, that dates me. <laughs> but And then yet still see the same group of people in the store because everybody has their little routines and they go to the same places, they go to the same shows, they do the same things. Uh, but, yeah, Special Edition is a show. Yeah. It's not meant to be a place where you linger. You go in, you walk around, you right. buy stuff. Maybe you can say hello to some people. You go to a panel, but it's not a destination in itself. Like, I don't see anyone coming in from afar. And I mind you, I know pe- people who came in from afar. Yeah. But it's not really something that you should come in for afar. Yeah, w- which is all the more reason why I feel like New York Comic Con is a convention because it is a place to stay and linger and go to different uh, things uh, and, and is, you know is that, go with your friends and enjoy yourself yeah, the problem is is like for starters that convention center is awful it doesn't have any attached hotels which makes it odd yeah. among convention centers i give you that yeah. yeah but i mean you know new york works works with what it has i guess like i mean it, we're i mean we're going to talk about anime next uh later but i mean like you know people that ask the question of like well why didn't you try to go to the javits because everybody tries to go to the javits because it's booked up for years that's the way the javits is because there's one convention center in new york city and it is in the middle of nowhere and it's the javits i don't understand people that want to go to the javits like people who say why didn't you go to the javits and i'm kind of like you're complaining about hotel prices in this location or this location again we'll talk about this a little bit more later yeah but they'll complain about hotel prices at some venue and then they'll say why didn't you go to the javits (laughs) and it's just like do you know how much a hotel would cost you in New York City? A in lot Manhattan? more. Yeah. If you want something cheap, you're not staying in Manhattan, or at least you're not staying in Midtown. You're oh, going to yeah. be staying in Chinatown. Right. You're going to be staying in Brooklyn, or you know, you could be crazy, go to Queens, or stay in New Jersey. <laughs> People commute from New Jersey to go to cons sure. in the Javits Center. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and I mean, like, you're better off getting an Airbnb somewhere in Brooklyn or something like that, and then just... Uh, you know, training in every day than uh, than dealing with the prices of Manhattan. Half training the in subway in trans. W- w- what do you want to call it? Like, oh, I see. Traveling. You're not it training. That actually means something. All right, fine. Traveling. Taking the train. Taking the train. Then, are you happy now? Uh, you got a verb. Everything. <laughs> I I don't know why I'm verbing everything. I don't I don't understand why that's happening. Talk about the artists a little bit. The artist alley itself for for special edition. Uh, I think they had a decent amount of. Uh, of, of room and a decent amount of people there like at the 
you know, it, it felt like it was, in a lot of ways, the more lively part of Special Edition, which it should be, because that's what it started out as. You know, like, it, it's a place for the artist to be. It's a fairly standard artist alley. I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah. Do you know what people said about how much they sold or anything? I ha- I honestly haven't heard. Um, I mean, I know that Andrew Charapar was doing pretty well for himself, so that's, that's a good thing, because, I mean, Andrew doesn't wind up setting up at a lot of different shows, but... I know that he said that that he wound up, you know, getting a decent amount of sketches and stuff like that and, you know, selling a large amount of his books, a lot more than he thought he was going to. So that's a good sign. But uh, what you, would you wind up buying anyway? Like, uh, yeah, did you wind up getting anything? I think I bought like one mini comic about corgis. Maybe that was about it. Oh, okay. It's not Mocha. Mocha's a lot more fun <laughs> when it comes to mine. I generally, I don't know, I've been feeling kind of down on Artist Alley lately because... I feel like, for starters, a lot of people have been veering away from things that are low price point. Like, it's really hard to find stuff that's under $5. Mm. That's one thing. I mean, it's not that people don't sell stuff for under $5, so don't yell at the, you know, yell at me here. But, you know, I'm looking around, I want to buy something, and it's like, oh, there's a nice mini comic. Oh, it's $8. <laughs> oh, look, that little book is, is cute. I wonder how much it is. Oh, it's $25. You know, like, stuff is really expensive. And I know tables are expensive. I know printing is expensive. But I always feel, I don't know, there's just not a good relationship in that regard. Was that really something you were seeing at Special Edition? Cause, like expensive uh, stuff? Yeah. because I, I, I was I, seeing more $10 mini comics, which I thought was ridiculous. Okay. And I know, look, I know that printing can be expensive, but yeah. you can't just staple a few sheets together and expect me to buy it. And, oh, yeah. And then when you... I, if, you know, right now, I, I think I've said this on your podcast before, in that people would be like, oh, but everything's so expensive. Don't you value my art? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll be kind of like, I have to work for a living, too. <laughs> my money has value to me. Yeah. If you're saying that I should be spending over hand over a chunk of my money for something that might take me like five minutes to read and isn't really an object of lust, you're not respecting me. Yeah. Like, there is, I feel like... This it's been seesawing back and forth because there are plenty of people who don't value artists. I'm not saying I, you know, I do value artists. I'm not going to say that I think, oh, it's so easy what you do or whatever. It's just that, like, I always find artist alleys can be really. It's worse at Anime Next. Oh my god, it, it's way worse. You'll get at Anime way Next. more professional people at comic conventions. No they question, don't give you yeah. shit. But you know, it's people. It's mostly the people. I did see a few of the people who do not label the stuff on right. their table because yeah. I don't know. I guess the logic is, oh well, then they have to ask me it, and I'm like, yeah, well, if I have to ask you, I'm just not going to. Read, read for the most part does get a a more professional artist in their artist alley than you will get at even other co- comic conventions, just because. Of the location, and uh, they do actually vet. Well, the sh- they the, their sign artists. up people at other shows. Yeah. So if you're a person who only does one show a year, you're probably not going to be doing a read show because yeah. the slots will get filled before you even get a shot at it. Right. Unless unless you're actual, you know, big name or yeah. Because we saw that at C two E two, like they had the booth in the middle of the floor just to sign up people for the next year. Yeah. So preference is always going to go to the people who have already delivered at the show. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I wound up getting uh, a Rocket Girl from Amy, Amy Reader, uh, which I've been looking at for a while, and that was $10, plus you got a nice little print inside of it, uh, which yeah, was pretty cool. I think that cool. was generally my other issue, and, and I sound like such a whiner right now. It's just that I will see books on tables, and I'll be like, oh, you're charging the cover price for it. 
Well, I mean, I guess if I can get it signed. But of course, like, if the person's not even at the booth, then there's no point in buying it. Yeah, right. Or just sometimes it's like, if it's like an expensive book, I might just pass on it anyway. Yeah. Because again, my, my money is also valuable to me. And I always... I always feel a little weird, you know, when it's kind of like you didn't even discount it like a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I, 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 at least with the with the Rocket Girl thing again, there was added value to it. Like you know, it was personalized and it's, and low, it got it's the, also a low price point to begin with. Right, so it was, it, it, was t- it was ten bucks. I mean, that's that's nothing really. Uh, questionable content volume two. I wound up getting, and I got that print from Ryan Otley, which. That was actually worth it because I was expecting that to be a lot more expensive than it was, and I think it was only ten or fifteen bucks if I remember correctly. Apparently, I forgot who was talking about. I think it was a thing I was reading that people are more likely to buy prints than they are to buy books. Really, it shows. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I'm just, maybe somebody will email you about this, but I remember reading this thing. The guy was saying that he had a thirty dollar book and a, and thirty dollar prints, and he sold more of the prints than of the books, even though. The image on the print was in the book. Wow. Huh. I guess I guess because people want wall art or something, or they feel like it's 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 a better deal or something. I think there's definitely a perception uh thing going on there. Like a print is thought to be some more intrinsically valuable. Yeah. And of course you can just I mean, if it's a book that hasn't is been on it you know you can probably find it on amazon yeah but i don't know it's just like people prints aren't things that are sold in stores they aren't very common and there's something more showy about it yeah. like you put it on your wall and you're like la di da i have this print right you know so so at this point do you foresee yourself going back to special edition if it was held at pier 92 slash 94 again as opposed to javits north or somewhere else uh, probably. I don't know. I mean, you're the one who bought the tickets, so I mean, if I were right, I, but I'm asking, I'm asking you about you. Like, if I was the one, well, first of all, I'm lazy and I don't buy tickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I I wouldn't go. It's a waste of art, my time. Okay. I didn't really want to go this year anyway, so. Yeah, you only, you only went because I was going. Maybe I don't know. I don't <laughs> remember. Well, I mean, I mean, no, I, I'm I'm genuine. I'm genuinely curious, just because because yeah, like I I I felt. I, honest to God, felt down about this year versus Javits so North. So many year. better things that could have been doing that Saturday. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have New York Comic Con. I assume I'm going to New York Comic Con later this year. So it was it was kind of pointless. Well, transitioning to something uh, that that you maybe wanted to go to slightly more to than Special Edition uh, Anime Next. I don't know. I mean, there's. I always feel kind of mixed on Anime Next every year because it's not really a destination convention. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have interesting... Ge- I mean, it, they usually get some J-pop star that I don't give a crap about. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with J-pop, just that I don't give a crap about I know most you J-pop. Yes. You know, I also don't give a crap about country music for the most part, or reggae, or zydeco, <laughs> you know, or... or, uh, uh, or, or to. Or- you know, Tejano music, Norteño <laughs> music, like, so there's not, there's nothing wrong with J-pop. I just don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because they usually have some J-pop star, and they have voice actors, but they're American voice actors, thus, again, do not care. And, you know, they, there's no, like, really good panels, for the most part, which is part of the reason why we do panels, because, you know, if you want better programming, make it. Yeah. 
But, you know, it's still the home anime convention. It's not the first anime con I went to, but it's the only one left of the cons in this area. Because, I mean, the first con I went to was Shoujo Con, mm-hmm. and that collapsed after, like, two years, so... Where was where was Shoujo Con originally? Same area. Okay. Anime Next is basically the home con in, in its own way, right? You know, and the thing is, like, as we were walking around, it's the last year that they're at the Garden State Exhibit Center, and I was actually a little sad. It's not even like I like the Garden State Exhibit <laughs> Center. I, I kind of despise it. Yeah, we, we, we both hate it. It's hard to get to. You have to take New Jersey Transit to New Brunswick, and then you have to get a taxi or take the shuttle, and the yeah. shuttle was only running once an hour. Yeah, and, and that shuttle was at least a half hour late. Yeah. So it's it's pretty dreadful. Yeah, like, there's not even any New Jersey Transit buses that go near there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. If there was, we'd probably take it. Well, yes. There's no crosswalks, so you <laughs> kind of have to just dive in the traffic and, you know, hope for the best. Right. There's no sidewalks, so if you want to walk to certain hotels, you're just walking on the grass, you're walking in the street. Yeah. I mean, the owners or whoever runs the Garden State Exhibit Center is so freaking cheap and lazy that they don't put additional sidewalks, they just put down little asphalt paths. Yeah. And, and and what's what's probably the most ridiculous part of it is how when there is a sidewalk, it will just appear out of nowhere and then just yet again disappear. Um, perfect example, like walking over that bridge to get to the uh, to the hotel uh, Somerset, which you know again will eventually wind up being. Uh, yet again, a Crown Plaza, the, oh, apparently. Oh, the Bridgewater Somerset. Yeah, there, there, you have to yeah, call it the Bridgewater. The, 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 the Bridgewater Somerset. Bridgewater Somerset. Yeah. It's interesting because, yeah, you have to cross over the highway. It's over, is it 95? I have no freaking idea. I think it, it, I think so. I, again, somebody who yeah, drives. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know New Jersey well enough to say either way. But you have, to, you have to cross over the highway. So there's a bridge, you know, with a road. There's sidewalks. That's not an issue, actually. But getting from the exhibit center to that little bridge, there's you know, no direct sidewalk. Mm -hmm. So they put in this little asphalt path because they couldn't be bothered to build an actual sidewalk. Right. It kind of annoys me personally because it's like my parents, who don't have that much money, can repave... The sidewalk in front of their house. Yeah, and and the worst part of it is that, you know, your, your option at that point when you're crossing the actual real sidewalk that's that's on that bridge is to either, you know, uh, take the path to the Garden State Exhibit Center or you're in the grass. There's a lot of grass walking if you're yeah. walking around in this particular area. And I remember, you know, a friend of ours was like, you know, well, because they expect you to drive. And I'm like, literally, like, across the street? He goes, yeah. And that's, like, the saddest thing. It reminds me of Toy Story 2 when he's (laughs) like, I can't believe I have to drive to work and this. And he drives just, like, through traffic right across the street. Right. You know, mind you, like, part of the con is across um, Davidson Avenue in the Holiday Inn, which is where we're staying. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no crosswalk. There's no sidewalks to lead you to the streets. So it really is just like you get a critical mass of people waiting, and then they just kind of surge across. It's it's just awful. And I know somebody did get hit either last year or the year before. So yeah, in general, we do not like Somerset. People are dying (laughs) because they're leaving. They're like, oh no, it's so horrible. Why would you do this to us? Somerset's so great. Those people are idiots. Well, the the reason that they're saying that is because Anime Next, in general, has a younger crowd, and they do not want to go the extra route. You know, they they would like to stay where they are because they already live near Somerset, or they live convenient to Somerset. It doesn't matter to them that they 
Anime Next essentially outgrew the Garden State exhibits that are three years ago and has been trudging by. It's because it's their home con, so they want something there, you know, even though it doesn't make any sense. Well, they want something. Some people commute, and that makes sense, you know. For anybody to pretend like, why can't you just stay in Somerset is is blind. Yeah. It's, you go to the Doubletree and it smells like ass because mm. of all the people in it, and it's hard to walk around you know, to walk between the exhibit center and the hotel, it's this tight little path that's incredibly crowded. You have to climb up these stairs. There's a tight little corner. I I tripped and rammed my elbow into the railing, so I'm now a fan of this particular staircase. Yeah. Do I still? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, the U-shaped bruise. It's it, it's now it's now uh, the black part of the black and blue stage, no, pretty much. It, it's it's, it's like it's like Red reddish brown. brown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, it's and also when it rains, I mean, luckily it did not. But when it rains, it is incredibly impossible to walk anywhere around there just because of all the mud and and uh, and puddles that form. There's a lot of grass. And so it gets it gets muddy when, you know, it, it rains. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that, though. One thing I can't stand when it rains or when it's dark is uh, if you're there, if you're at the Doubletree really late and you want to go to either the Bridgewater or the Holiday Inn, and you can't cut through the exhibit center because it closes. Yeah. So you have to walk around. And this is like a death trap. Like we've almost walked into the lake. There are lakes there. Yep. We've almost, you know, I've stepped in holes. It's, it's just, it's, it's just awful. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad face. It's just not yeah, because, pleasant trip. Be, because you're not supposed to walk. You're supposed to drive everywhere, every single yeah. place. But okay. So like just going to, since we're talking about the haters and people complaining, what I loved is all the people who say, well, why can't you go to Secaucus? The Meadowlands <laughs> are there. And you know, you can immediately say, wow, you have not been going to this con very long. Yeah. Because 2008, they were, they were I mean, until 2008, they were in, in Secaucus, the Meadowlands uh, ex- Exhibition Center, mm-hmm. which is awful. Yes. Very awful. The area is nice. I actually really like the area around it. It's yeah. got a nice cluster of hotels. Uh, there's a bus that goes directly there. Mm-hmm. Behind, and, the, behind the Holiday Inn or a decent amount of uh, there's some, restaurants. There's a movie theater, a few... Uh, family style, not family style, family restaurants. Yeah. Um, trying to remember what restaurants are actually there. There's, there's a, a Chili's, if I remember correctly. I don't remember Chili's. I do remember there is um, Cheeseburgers in Paradise. Mm, yeah. You know, there's a few restaurants on that level, and then there's some fast food type places. Yeah. You know, so that's nice. And I was trying to say before you cut in was one of the things I like. Also, it's very friendly to conventions because at night, nobody drives through there. There's no reason to be in this particular part of Secaucus. Right. So the street is pretty much just convention goers. It's just people walking back and forth, hanging out. You don't have to worry about bugging anybody who's trying to sleep, really. It's it's nice. Mm -hmm. But the convention center is small. The guy who runs it, I've been told, is a huge asshole. (laughs) And, you know, they outgrew it. They're like 4,000. They said 4,300, I think, is the number they gave. I believe so. And now they're hitting 10,000. Yeah. So... Uh, they're moving to Atlantic City. Atlantic City apparently let them grow to thirty thousand, which should be interesting, because once we start pushing above thirty thousand, they're actually taking on Otakon. Yeah, I know. Which, which already like there were people who wind up, you know, posting on you know various social networks that they're going to lose the small con feel of anime next, and I I think it's actually pretty easy to preserve that. I think it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. Like, here's the thing, is you can't artificially keep a con small. Right. It's, you're just creating a shit show when Mm -hmm. you try to limit the growth, when you try to limit something. I mean, look at PAX. Yeah. PAX is a perfect example of, they have a cap, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know the cap on the numbers for, uh, for PAX Prime in Seattle, but I know that the cap for uh, Boston was 50,000. I think they pushed it up. It's like 60, 70 now. Yeah. But it's still, you know, there's still this cap and it's creating like scalping like crazy. Right. And you, you know, you might not be able to get a ticket. You don't know if you'll, you know, get a ticket. It could be like a few weeks before and you'll have no idea. And then, you know, yeah. all of a sudden tickets will appear out of nowhere. Right. And it's just, it's, uns- it's just, uh, it's just awful. Yeah. I mean, same with New York Comic Con. Because people count on, because you have the hardcore fans. The hardcore fans know to buy the tickets. Yeah. The people who are more casual, the ones who we haven't actually grabbed yet, they don't know. They're the type who'll be like, oh, I hear there's this thing going on at the convention center. Let's go check it out. And then they walk up and they find they can't get in because it's been sold out for months. Right. Because these things are still going to be listed in the newspaper. They're going to be on mm-hmm. TV or whatever. You yeah. know, They're going to mention that it's going on. So you can't artificially restrict something and expect that to be sustainable it's just it's just shitting on people (laughs) even if you have even if you can't like it's unavoidable like you can't move your convention this is the only convention center you have you are just gonna end up with a very shitty shitty situation and that's what anime next finally reach people saying oh well it's fine you know and i'm like yeah that's because you know to buy your tickets in advance but what happens the first time you can't get your tickets and and let's also let's let's even think about the fact that uh this anime next this particular anime next uh, that friday uh i mean we didn't have to deal with this because we we got there you know later in the afternoon but those who did pre-order apparently there were everybody coming at once as opposed to all throughout the day that happened in previous anime next they had thousands of people lined up outside in 90 degree heat trying to get their their tickets all at once i think part of the problem is, is first the staff's not big yeah anime next i mean in all the years i've been going you know the staffing has never been abundant mm-hmm. you know there are people who are i'm not gonna call them lifers but there are people who've been on staff for a while oh yeah and you know but the thing is there's been a lot of turnover in the years that have passed right. like you know you know i don't know as much of the staff as i used to we know some of the department heads yeah but we, like the grunts i don't know who these people are they don't know me yeah you know so there's a lot of turnover i mean in general this is why we stopped going to a lot of anime conventions because the average age has gone down right it's i mean it's easy for me to say oh everyone's so young <laughs> you know because i'm getting older that's that's unavoidable but i remember when i started going i felt like it was everyone was either college age or there was like you know the old guard yeah and the thing is the old guard started to essentially retire from fandom mm-hmm. like i remember at Otakon, i was like oh this is the last uh you know mystery anime theater we're, we're doing you know yeah. so that's you know that's gone this is the last con i'm going to you know oh this is my last year as con chair like people were just stepping down and disappearing yeah and they're not being replaced right because the people who would replace them are the people who would be my contemporaries and most of the people who were going to cons when I was going to cons, like my friends, the reason, part of the reason I even started going to anime cons, they don't go to anime cons anymore. Yeah. I don't see them at all in fandom things. They're like, oh, you still do that? You know, we know people, some people are even ashamed of their fandom past. So, yeah, well, and, and, and there are the ones that will graduate to, you know, other type of conventions because, you know, we've talked about, 
multiple times uh, and friends of ours have talked about multiple times how you know you go to an anime convention and then you graduate to a comic convention or whatever like you know you you wind up uh sort of using that as your gateway into into bigger and better things i don't know about graduating i know that i personally have been trying to diversify i don't consider it graduation i think that sounds almost hierarchical mm-hmm. and that's bullshit there yeah. there should be no age range for any kind of fandom valid you know? yeah like like how sci-fi conventions are just for 50 year olds yeah the thing is though is that sci-fi fandom is a very unique beast <laughs> it's like this entrenched I mean, it's starting to be shaken up because the old guard is moving on or rather they're being overpowered by like the younger guard, which is what's making the old guard start to piss their pants and be whiny babies about it. Like, oh, no, all the social justice warriors are ruining science fiction. Why can't it be like the old days when men were men and would seduce alien women on, you know, planets? That is literally, okay, not literally, but it is pretty close to what one of the the complainers, the uh, sad puppies, you know, slash rabid puppies people said. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, just that anime cons have definitely been aging downward, but not Otakon. I think that's an important point to make. Mm -hmm. Like, I still see a lot of the older fans still go to Otakon, and I think for anime next to maintain it's fandom it's going to have to move right and and that's exactly where i was just going to go with that is that for for people that are also worrying that oh you're going to lose the the younger fans by moving to atlantic city first off i'd like to point out that atlantic city is trying to change their image they're trying to become more of a family-friendly location which is why they did uh you know atlantic city boardwalk con uh the comic convention that uh happened a few months back and that actually went off pretty well from everybody that I heard that it, that attended. It, there were no issues with it. It's in the exact same location that Anime Next is going to be in this this next year. And uh, yeah, it worked out pretty well. But Anime Next moving there is part of this rebranding the image. You know, they they want more people did of they young court, and old. Did they specifically court Anime Next? I, be, I believe there was a mutual courtship uh, from, from from what I've been hearing. Uh, well, I know that years ago, before they moved to Garden State, they said that the only other place they could go to was Atlantic City, but they didn't want to go all the way down there. Yeah. So that's what, because we were complaining about the Garden State, you know, and we're still complaining about it. Yeah. And I'm still kind of, you know, pissed at it. So I'm a little bit happy about this move because it'll be easier to get to. Now, people who say, oh, you won't be able to get have as many younger fans. I'm like, oh, their parents won't let them go. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just say, that's fucking horse shit. Yeah. That is a bunch of bullshit that you're spouting because somebody fucking moved your cheese. Because here's the thing. (laughs) Seriously, Otakon is in Baltimore. Yeah, I know. You know, know, one of the apparent most popular, well, not popular, but one of, like, the most well-regarded series of all time Mm -hmm. set in Baltimore is about the fucking drug war. Yeah. Baltimore is not a nice city. Parts of it are a fucking shithole. There are parts that are really nice. Yeah. We've seen lovely, you know, we've met lovely people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Inner Harbor area, like that immediate area is pretty nice. Sure. We've seen, you know, we stayed in a nice Airbnb and the hosts were very lovely. Yes, we did. Average it out. There are parts that are absolutely awful. Yeah. You know, I did get lo- I did get lost in a bad neighborhood once in Baltimore. <laughs> I didn't get jumped. But it was pretty kind of like, this is kind of gross, because I feel like if I threw a match, the whole thing would have gone up in flames. We've, we've driven through the bad neighborhoods on megabuses. When you're on the bus, you yeah. can see, I mean, you can see, like, there's a block of just condemned houses, and then there's, like, a liquor store on each corner, but all the houses are empty. Yeah. And then you look at what's been going on this year. 
But you don't hear anybody talking about, oh, I'm not going to send my kid to I've, I've actually heard a few. I'm sure yeah. there are people who'll be like, I'm not going to go. And yeah. mind you, when we went to buy our tickets, I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, you know, do it because it's probably going to quiet down. Yeah. And it's not going to help the city to bail on them at this point. Right. So, but again, because Otakon is in Baltimore, not a nice city. To say the same thing like, oh, Atlantic City is so bad. I'm like, you know what? You're an idiot. Just stop. Maybe someone, you know, someone will probably tell me I'm a moron. But I never understood the whole perception of, oh, there's gambling, so there's going to be crime. Because in general, casinos don't want crime because then people won't gamble. Well, yeah. You know, they don't want somebody to win $10,000, get walked out the door and get jumped. Yeah. So, you know, you stay in certain parts of Atlantic City, you're generally okay. I know people said that you stay away from the boardwalk and you're actually okay. Yeah. The convention center, I know, has some nice restaurants near it. So it actually must be, you know, again, we haven't been there. So I couldn't tell you a breakdown of each (laughs) neighborhood. But, again, just going by the whole, but you know, the fact that Otacons in Baltimore and other cons are in Baltimore. Yeah. And that's... Fine. Well, and what's what's going to help anime next as as we... Philly. Yeah, it, it, Philly, absolutely. They're just going to pick up whatever they lose. Yeah. They're just going to pick up from Philly because that's a straight right. train ride, you know, a quick yeah. car ride. It's not... Right right from 30th Street Station in, in Philadelphia, it's a straight shoot to Atlantic City's uh, train station. And the train station is directly attached to the convention center. Like, directly. You don't even have to go outside. You could just walk in from down there. And yeah, we don't have a direct train from New York anymore. We do not. Yeah. In, in order for us to take the train to Atlantic City, we would wind up having to go to Philadelphia first. <laughs> that's that's actually the easiest route for us to get there by train. Uh, there are, you know, buses that go there, uh, which would only take about two hours. So that's not too bad. And yeah, that'll we'll be more than likely what we do. We'll just get one of the casino buses, get a bunch of free chips. There you go. Forget that there's a convention. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, we we ran we run panels at Anime Next, uh, you know, not just because we know we know the staff, but because, you know, I actually do legitimately enjoy running panels. And that's, you know, that's the place that I get to, get to do it. But looking at the panel slate, I mean, I know we only actually went to, you know, Friends of Ours panels this year, but there were a bunch of panels that looked interesting to me this time around and i'm hoping that uh that does remain to be the case in atlantic city i think it, honestly even more so it's probably gonna be the case because there's gonna be more room for panels at the new convention center and there's gonna be more panel rooms so that that just means that the schedule is just gonna get bigger i think the biggest risk is the fact that so they'll be in this con- an actual convention center where conventions are held yes and- and it's going to air, lend the con an air of respectability that it didn't have. Mm-hmm. So they might get more professional guests. Because like I said, I've never really been interested in the guests. They, yeah. they also get a lot of the same people every year. Yes, they know? do. Which, 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 trust me, has been pointed out by, by guests, uh, by people who attend Anime Next, that is. That like, you, you ask for guests every year and then you wind up just getting the exact same guests. What's the deal with that? Like, well, because they're friends with Anime Next. So of course they're going to wind up coming back. Well, if they can't, if nobody else wants to come, because, I mean, mind you, this isn't the heyday of anime anymore. It isn't the bubble, you know, from the early 2000s when they were putting out DVDs like there was no tomorrow and and charging a fortune for them. And they were licensing every single thing they can get their hands on. And, you know, so there were a lot of voice actors. So you kind of had enough voice actors to be guests for a, a bunch of different cons because there were a lot of cons back then and many have you know disappeared in yeah. the meantime like the aforementioned Shoujo Con mm-hmm. 
and the, you know, like there's some some cons are still around. I mean, obviously the big ones, Anime uh, Expo, Otakon, Katsukon, and mind you, Katsukon moved to DC. Yeah, because they needed the space. Yeah, because they're the the gay lord. <laughs> Wows. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I've I I've never attended Katsukon. I don't know what Katsukon is like. I know I've heard positives about Katsukon as much as I've heard negatives about Katsukon, but I know that it, it, it is one of the bigger ones on the, on this coast now. I actually legitimately wonder, with Otakon moving to D.C. in 2017, how that's going to bite into Katsukon's bottom line, like whether or not there's going to be people uh, that decided shared, that they don't shared go. The city, they've shared cities before. Katsukon was in Baltimore one year. Okay. So I don't think it's a really big deal. Katsukon is still a smaller con. Mm-hmm. And Different time of year or two. Yeah, it's definitely the time of year because Katsukon is always um, President's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that's for that particular group of people. Yeah. And it's more of a cosplay con than like Otakon could really hope to be. Right. Because like, Otakon is just so big and so widespread. I mean, Anime Next has definitely made a niche for itself as a uh, cosplay con. Oh, Partly because yeah. people, that's one of the reasons people are complaining. And this the is Red the one. Dock. <laughs> this the one thing that will be missed about Somerset is that so it was this office park, you know, it had all these little twisty little roads and all these buildings, and in between them were you know trees and rolling hills and mm-hmm. artificial lakes and yeah. and little brooks, you know, stream bubbling streams, and you know there's a little bridge that went over the stream, and yeah, like the, there's a red dock that kind of juts out into <laughs> one of these lakes that, and these are like really popular locations yeah. for photo shoots. I think you know those people, the cosplayers, are bitching about missing out on all that stuff. I think it would help Anime Next if they got somebody to take photos of things in Atlantic City that would make for good cosplay. Oh, totally. Without a doubt. They're a little bit far from the border. Like, it's a walkable distance, yeah. but I don't know how many people are going to want to are gonna walk down to the beach to take photos. I think it's like a 10, 15 minute walk or something like that. Really? Because it looked like are. it was five blocks. Okay. All right. Well, five, five, five blocks then. But I'm pulling it up on a map. You do it. You do that. Well, walking walking is something that's going to wind up happening, I think, more in Atlantic City than than what happened in Somerset, because, quite frankly, you can. You know, there's streets. Also, people aren't going to want to move their car because you actually do have to pay for parking. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's a flat rate of $15 a day, if I remember correctly, uh, at the convention center. It's like five, six bucks. Okay. Yeah, then, then that's, that's not bad at all. It's just a straight shoot mm-hmm. down uh, South Michigan Avenue, North Michigan, Michigan Avenue. All right. This is when I start to remember that the streets in Atlantic City are Monopoly <laughs> streets. Because that's where the names for the game streets came from. Hey, where's Boardwalk? Wait. Sorry. Well, there's the Boardwalk. Yeah, I know. There's Pacific Avenue, Atlantic Avenue, Arctic Avenue. Atlantic Avenue? We have one of those in Brooklyn. Mm. But it's not the same one. Mm. Yeah, but it... it I think it's I think it's going to be a positive in the, in the end for for Anime Next. I, th- I think that the there's going to be growing pains in the first year. Of course, there's going to be growing pains. There's always growing pains in the in the first year at a new con space. Like I'm sure there's even going to be some growing pains at Otakon's first year in DC. You know, but you you learn and you grow and you adapt and you evolve, and that's that's what happens to every single convention. Just like how you know New York Comic Con started out in the basement of the Javits and now took over the whole damn thing. And is now essentially out of out of room, you know. New York Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah, the Javits was honestly just built too small. Yeah. 
And, I mean, part of it is just a relic of the era it was built in. Because the larger convention centers are all things that were built, like, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Even San Diego was, they built the extension. Like, you know, what you would know is Hall H now is an extension. Yeah. And they're just going to have to build even bigger yeah. if they want to keep the con in the city. I mean, that's I, I'm wondering how much of this is permanent and how much is just a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, so we have this bubble of people wanting to go to conventions and I don't know if that's going to last. Like, is this the new modus operandi, the new <laughs> normal? Like, that's a thing that people consider a legitimate activity? Yeah. Or is it just, you know, like, oh, that's kind of fun. Okay, we did it once. We don't need to do that again. It's a good question. It really is. Uh, I guess time will tell. It's the only thing that really can tell. Re- real quick, uh, what were some of your favorite cosplay from the weekend? Some people just repeated costumes from last year, the co-op mm-hmm. guy, but I didn't see him. I just saw photos of him. That one space dandy that we that we saw again is still one of my I, favorites. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people re- repeated costumes. Uh, the big... Yeah, I don't really have any favorites. I mean, I know, again, didn't see him, but I've seen him in previous years. The guy who's the Mario Kart with the actual cart. I did actually see him at at one point, yeah. Uh, let's... Let me think. Anything stand... I mean... It's more like cosplay trends. Yeah. I'm more interested in there was Mad Max cosplayers. Big Hero Six cosplay. Yeah, I mean it's it's 2014, so yeah, there was some there was a handful of Big Hero Six. There was you know heroes, you know a few Baymaxes. There was mm-hmm. a Honey Lemon. Yeah. No uh, Gogo Tamagos, which is you know a little disappointing. That's a shame. Gogo yeah. Tamago. So. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max was a big one. You know, a bunch of Furiosas, but also some of the uh, the brides, the wives. Mm-hmm. You know, were wandering around. Homestuck is decreasing in power, it looks like. Which, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I have no problem with Homestuck. I just think, you know, when you have 100 people dressed as the same thing, it starts to get a little weird. Agreed. Uh, Over the Garden Wall is a big cosplay right now. Yes. Uh, as is Steven Universe. Adventure Time went down. I feel like somebody should make a board. Like, there should be a, a, a web show <laughs> talking about cosplay trends. Yeah. And you have, like, the billboard charts of cosplay. <laughs> like a cosplay stock market, even. Like... You know what 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 you can take stock in uh, as as time goes by, but yeah, no. Steven Universe was 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 all over the place. I was seeing. Yeah, that. no. Those the uh, I didn't see. I saw a handful of Gravity Falls. So definitely this new fandom trifecta of uh, Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, and Over the Garden Wall is is making its place. But like I said, there's a, been a decrease in Adventure Time cosplayers. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of any comebacks. I know that. You know, there was like a two girls dressed as dirty pair, and it, <laughs> it thrilled every you know old fanboy's heart. You know, hey, I just like the fact that I saw a Peter Parker Spider Man, a Miles Morales Spider Man, and a Scarlet Spider, and really, what, what that—that's the trifecta right yeah, there. There for were me. a few uh, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver cosplayers, but yeah. not as many as I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always interesting to see what people are dressing up as. No Ultron. I didn't. I didn't see any Ultron. You'll you'll see that later on. It's probably really hard to build. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh there were some Iron Mans run, running around. So that that was cool. Iron Man's older costumes. Yeah, so I know. Because I, I know that uh, I brought that up on Twitter, and we got the responses like, "Yeah, that's definitely how it is on the West Coast. Who can do it first? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. <laughs> but then you remember on Heroes of Cosplay, it's like. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be like the first to do in competition, you know, and and, and Edward you know, uh, Kenway from Assassin's Creed Four, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's like the episode where they go to the two girls go to um, 
can't remember which company they went to if they went to Bioware or whatever. And it was like, yeah, we're gonna see, we're gonna get to see like the concept sketches for these characters, yeah. and we're gonna make our costumes based on them. So they are getting cosplaying as something that's not even finished. Yeah, I know. It's insane. <laughs> well, I mean, there's people that'll cosplay off of trailers. You know, like like they'll they'll see a uh, a character for the first time without even actually seeing the movie yet, and we'll cosplay off of that. Yeah, I know that. I'm trying to remember. Oh yes, I was watching this week at E3, watching the Sony was it no Square Enix presentation, and they have the new uh, Nui uh, game. I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Someone's laughing at me right now. I'm always <laughs> going to say that. And I'm watching the trailer, and I'm like, someone's already making this costume. So. It's just, I mean, it's there's something good about it because I remember, you know, you talking about your your ex. Mm-hmm. She changed out of her costume because nobody else was dressed up as the same character. Yeah. But now at least we're entering this realm of people want to be individuals and they want a costume that isn't like anything else at the con. And I kind of admire that. Like, it gives you more diversity, though it, it kind of sucks if that's your favorite character and you don't run into that person all weekend. Yeah, right. And it, it I admit it, it would suck if you dress up as something and, you know, no one actually recognizes what you are or doesn't bother to actually ask you what you are. I don't need, I mean, I dressed up once. Uh, I mean, I've cost, okay, I've cosplayed twice. And the first time, it was as Tiger Lily from David Max Kabuki. And maybe a handful of people recognized me. And you know what? That was fine. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to be recognized every five seconds. Also, the fact that I wasn't recognizable meant I could take off the frickin' mask and not worry about ruining my costume. Right. So, you know, so it goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just interesting in general. I do kind of feel like I want (laughs) to... do some cosplay again at some point yeah we've we've been joking about that i'm actually amenable to it so that's that's perfectly fine with me dealers room wise this was the first time that i i bought more pocky than i bought anything else in fact that was the only thing i really bought was pocky dealers room was it's the same stuff which is boring yeah but I do like that it's a little more upscale than it used to be. That's true. Like, I know Sanchi has been doing a lot of cons, though they had mm-hmm. less merchandise, so there was nothing I wanted to buy. Yeah, they might have a full booth at Atlantic City. There was a table for Do AC, mm-hmm. you know, the Atlantic City Tourism Board. Yeah. And no one was talking to that poor woman. <laughs> Mind you, she was the perfect person to talk to if you didn't know anything about Atlantic City, and you're like, oh, no, Anime Next is going to Atlantic City. You probably should have spoken to this woman. Yeah, she had answers. She had answers, and she had candy. Yeah, I I legitimately, you know, I asked her a legitimate question. I'm like, what are the nearest hotels? And she she told me, you know, the Bally's Casino and the Sheridan. You know, those are the the two closest hotels, you know. And I knew that because I asked her, and then I took her taffy, Mm. because that's the way it works. There's a lot of taffy. It's really good taffy. It Hold is. on, I want to actually look up the brand. Yeah, but uh, it's 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 Atlantic City Boardwalk taffy, so it's saltwater taffy, and that's yummy in my book. James's. James's saltwater taffy. So if you, if you ever see James's saltwater taffy, give it a go. Oh, it's good. It's good for saltwater taffy. Like yes. I've had a lot of saltwater taffy. I like it because it's not too sticky, mm-hmm. even when it's warm. Yeah. You know, so that's that's actually really good for taffy. I I need to go find more of this. <laughs> I need it in my life now. And other other than the like I said, we went to friends panels. We went to uh, Adam and Parliament, and that that was that was fun to see that uh, one more time because it's the only time we're going to see it this year. Bad Anime Bad. Uh, these are a few of my favorite scenes. The Artist Alley sucked as usual. The Artist Alley at Anime Next is not worth it. I was it. gonna. I was meant. I was gonna. I said I would 
was going to go into this. Anime con artist alleys make me so freaking sad inside. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's like the name artist alley. And if you were like, go to a lot of comic cons and then you go to an anime con, you're like, oh, the artist alley. It is nothing like a comic convention artist alley. For starters, like at least half the people are probably doing fiber arts. And I'm calling it fiber arts because, you know, I don't want to disrespect. But, you know, we're talking about people making little hats and people making ties and, and fingerless gloves and a bunch of other things. Not all of which is going to necessarily be fandom related. Yeah. Though there is some neat stuff. I did buy, a not this year, but in a previous year, I bought some Amigurumi mm-hmm. of like Pokemon. Yeah. You know, there are people selling handmade pillows and it's just... I don't know, it's like going to, it's a craft fair (laughs) instead of an actual, what an artist alley traditionally is. And mind you, you know, what I know, like behind the scenes inside baseball type stuff, is that some of the people who apply for these artist alleys have such an attitude. Yeah. And you see it even when you walk around, because people sometimes will give you little pissy looks if you don't, you know, look at them, buy their, you know, buy stuff from their table. Because, like, I remember when a certain acquaintance, friend of ours, you know, was in charge of the Artist Alley for Anime Boston, and they opened it up, and it filled up in, like, five, in ten minutes, half an hour, whatever. It filled up really quickly. And then they were getting these emails like, oh, my God, why wasn't I accepted? How come I can't go to the Artist Alley? You've ruined my business plan. <laughs> if your business plan is dependent on one show. That's not good. You have a shitty business plan. Yes, indeed. But people, they there's definitely been attitude problems with the Artist Alley. I know that at one point they had to throw a guy out. Remember that? We yeah, caught that. They made yeah. the guy pack up and drag his shit out mm-hmm. of there because he was harassing attendees. I remember that quite well. That was last year, actually. I believe. Last year or the year before? Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I just remember it was really weird. They had a bunch of security standing over this guy as he packed up his trunk. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, it's... Cr- I mean, mind you, their layout at MNX is not great. But, you know, it's it's cramped. There are people sharing two, three to a table, which... Yeah. I mean, you can see that at Comic-Cons, but here it's like people have those tall PVC... <laughs> pvc pipe things so it's just like it's like walking into this warren of fan art not of all of which is good and they tell you no photography which just is so laughable i know yeah because it's like your art is not so good that i'm gonna take a photo of it and print it i mean i think a blanket photo ban is probably okay but on the cons part because they don't want people doing cosplay photos in the middle of the aisle right which makes sense especially since uh, at the at this specific location the artist alley was very cramped because there really wasn't much room to work with yeah I mean, and I don't know how you can reverse the trend, because granted, there used to be, and there still are, a lot of great artists oh, yeah. who go to anime artist alleys. Otakon gets plenty. And, you know, some some people have moved on to careers mm-hmm. in, they actually draw comics. Sure. Um, God, what's her face? Amy Kim Ganter. Right. Is one, I, I have her business card from when she used to do anime artist alleys. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody who signed up with Tokyo Pop back in the day, you know, started <laughs> off in the artist alleys. I saw, I saw, Oda, I, I saw that uh, Tokyo Pop is apparently, uh, quote-unquote, back in pog form. They're, they're going to have panels at, uh, I think, both Expo and uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year to try and say that they're still around. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I wish they would just relinquish the rights. I mean, Tokyo Pop, that's... Oh, man. You know, you should do a whole thing about the manga industry and stuff, because... Yeah. Stu Levy is such an interesting case. <laughs> this is the guy who, I'm not going to say single-handedly, but he his company, Tokyo Pop, was 
largely responsible for the manga boom in the early 2000s. And mind you, the boom isn't so much a boom anymore. It's a, you know, there's a steady business stream. It's not as big as it was back trickle. then. It's a trickle, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's steady. And manga as a cultural artifact is huge still. Like, you know, we can, American comic fans can still poo-poo it, but you shouldn't because this is what a lot of kids are reading. It's what's in the libraries and it's what's on the internet and that they're reading in scanlations and us older fans are dying inside because <laughs> that's just, that's pretty shitty for the companies that are still printing it. Right. But, yeah, Stu Levy created, like, basically created this freaking industry mm-hmm. and yet you read his Twitter, you read his, you know, blog, whatever the freaking hell he writes, he's always like, oh man, I can't believe I was part of this dying industry. Ugh, print is so dead. It's so awful. Like, he's such a downer. He is the Alan Moore. Yes, he is. He is an, the Alan Moore of manga. Well, mind you, mind you, this is the this is a man who thought that he would save his career by creating a reality show. And uh, I don't even think it ever came out where he was like fi- supposed to be defining like the next big manga star or something like that. And it just, no, that's not the way that works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, well, he's the guy who had a, I don't know if it was a Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever, or GoFundMe to go do a documentary about Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. About, you know, Japan dealing with travel. Well, mind you, I think it was before the earthquake, but then the earthquake happened, so he shifted gears to be like, oh, we're going to do this as a charity project, but he's still asking for money from people, even though he has the cash. And mind you, that's a bigger thing with crowdfunding and what an issue the issues with crowdfunding. Did he ever actually do it? I honestly don't know. You have to ask. Like, I'm sure Anna would know because Anna yeah. keeps tabs on this. Yeah, but uh, any- anyway, I mean, go- going back to the artist that was situation, like I said, Otakon still has uh, a decent amount of good artists in it, uh, and I'm not just saying that because Adam and Comfort are in it, but because... I think Adam and Comfort should go to anime next. They will clean up. Well, we've said that before, but I think that that's even more so the case with Atlantic City because... With Atlantic City comes the opportunity to have a larger artist alley and a a bigger presence. And I think that over time, again, maybe not necessarily in the first year, but over time, if it's successful, if it does get its numbers up to 20,000, 30,000 people, you're going to see more of those artists coming back to Anime Next. I'd like to see with Anime Cons in general, but Anime Next is definitely one of those cons that could use this, is... A more delineation Mm -hmm. between different type of artists. I remember years ago, years ago, (laughs) you know, when it is is the people who do Anime Boston, Mm -hmm. whatever their New England Anime Society. Yeah. And they tried to do the Providence Anime Conference, I believe it was called PAC. Oh, yeah. And the idea was this was going to be sort of like a more adult anime con. Which definitely, you can already smell the trouble. It's like, oh no, the young, those youngins are taking over, the youths are taking over our, our <laughs> fandom and we need to claim it back. So the idea was it was going to be a 21 plus anime con. And it was going to, you know, a lot of panels, you know, focus on panels and, and having, you know, parties. There's definitely parties on the schedule there. And one of the things they instituted was like the artist alley was going to be print only. Okay. No, no fiber arts. Interesting. So you know, no uh, other types of crafts. Yeah. I honestly have no idea how many people went to this thing. Ultimately, <laughs> I think you know because there were there were a lot of issues with this con. A lot. Some of the staff oh, dropped out. Yeah. I, it, it, it's a very storied history. Some people have good memories of it. I don't know, but it's interesting to just. Um, 
I kind of like the idea of being able to walk into an artist alley and know that it's dedicated to the print, that mm. it's not loaded yeah. with fiber arts stuff. Right. Because I'm actually kind of annoyed by that when I go to an anime con because I'd like to see manga. Yeah. I'd like to see people doing their own doujins. Sure. And, and I, I'd say, what, there were three of them the entire time we were at Anime Next we that we saw? A few, few people had stuff for print. It was yeah. a little expensive, but again, and we know, getting, stuff pr- getting stuff printed, I know, is, is expensive. I'm not, yeah. you know, I didn't, I'm not denying that. Yeah. There's a, there's a sweet spot there. But uh, yeah, it's just the, it's leaned so heavily in favor of fiber arts now that, you know, it's, it's a big downer to me. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see being like, well, this is the fiber arts hall, and this is the print arts hall. Right, I think would be really interesting. That'd be cool if Otakon did something like that. Actually, if if they had uh, a, a you know sort of like different pods almost uh, of the yeah. artist alley, where you could go to you know this is that, this is that, this is that. Although of, of course, I guarantee you that if uh, if one pod doesn't sell well, they'll say that because we were separated, we didn't sell well. Yeah, well, some people prefer oh they want things mixed. It's that. Uh it's that idea that if you have if things are unorganized and you have to look to find it, you'll discover something you didn't see before. You'll magically decide to buy this. It's, yeah. That's partly what how the strand books are used to work. It's like who needs alphabetical order? <laughs> oh God! Oh God! I remember. I still remember the one time that the, that I went into the comic section of of Strand and I so wanted to reorganize it, so wanted to, oh, so badly. Oh, Everyone wants I to know. reorganize it, oh, but the God. the managers don't like it organized. I don't know yeah. how it's organized now because I don't go in anymore. But yeah. it's. It might actually be organized now because they've been making this reach to be like a better bookstore. Different managers now, I think, too. So Maybe. That, that they were be... very top-heavy, though. You'd have to get rid of a lot of managers. <laughs> what else? Uh, anything else you want to add about uh, this particular anime next? I mean, other than the fact that, again, we, we enjoyed our friends' panels. Big shock there. Like, that doesn't... Uh... I mean, I'll definitely sort. I mean, I'm, I'll miss it a little. I'll miss the mm-hmm. Somerset, just like I miss Secaucus. Apparently, there's a Ruby Tuesdays near near the Atlantic City Convention Center too. So we don't even there's have a to bunch miss. Of, there's a few places to eat. It's, yeah. it's a it's it's got food. Yeah. You know, I can't really say there was nothing remarkable, but I've about remarkable about it. Mm-hmm. I've been to a better anime next. Yeah. Uh, maybe next year will be. I mean, next year is going to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Our crowds were good. That well, was first pretty... Pan- our first panel didn't have a lot of people, but yeah. I think we need to work on the panel. You know, it's a little overstuffed. Right. Well, that that and also I think this did prove to me that uh, I think American Comics for Manga Fans is an afternoon panel. I, I, I don't know if it's really suited for a night crowd exactly so uh maybe we'll, we'll, we'll i mean we'll obviously we'll work on that i think uh, saturday's for, a busier day too. it is that That's, too yeah but uh american animation and adults from revolution were packed and they had to turn people away but that's also because the panel rooms at, at, at anime next are not very big but they will be bigger next year yeah we'll we'll see we'll definitely see it'll be nice yeah. to have bigger rooms uh two things that we did learn uh one the waduka in new jersey is just about as good as the waduka here in brooklyn which is good uh that's a reference that only like the three people in our neighborhood are going to get. But the uh, our our local pizza place uh, in on Newkirk in Newkirk Plaza here in Brooklyn is uh, called Waduka, and uh, the father of those people uh, runs a pizza place like literally three blocks away from uh, where we were, where we were staying at the Holiday Inn. So we ordered there Friday night, and you know that was pretty cool. And one thing I will not miss at all about the Garden State Exhibit Center or the DoubleTree is the absolute horrible air conditioning service because that is really, really bad. Yeah, and then the smell of BO. Yeah. 
yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna be missed at all. So, looking forward to next year. Uh, anything else? Are you, video you gaming room was. Oh nice. right, yes, the actual, video gaming room. They had room. actual yes. machines like Taiko Drum Master. Yeah. And Beat Mania. It was it was actually kind of cool. Like they had a I forget the name of the company Tokyo Shock mm-hmm. donated a bunch of machines for the use of the show. Yeah, and and actually, you, you just reminded me when we were walking through the Double Tree on Friday. Uh, I think it was Friday. It might have been might have been Saturday, but uh, there was. These guys had set up Smash Brothers on their own TV in the in a corner of the hotel. I'm not sure if hotel staff told them to go away, but uh, they weren't there later in the day. They shouldn't have been there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like how things can spontaneously appear at cons, but the Double Tree at Anime Next is the worst place. Like the first floor of the Double Tree. Yeah. If they had gone to the second floor, I probably would have cared less because mm-hmm. the second floor doesn't has less foot traffic. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, they were they were huddled in a corner playing uh, Smash Brothers on their own TV. But the the you know the actual like console setup for the uh, game room was nice. Modern consoles in the same room as the stand up machines we were talking about. But then there were classic consoles plus handheld in a room across the hall, which was pretty nice. And yeah, no, it was it was actually I think they definitely have their video gaming thing down. Like the rooms were adequately air conditioned, which mm-hmm. was great. Best air conditioning in the entire place. Well, mind you, that was at the Holiday Inn, so that also helped because I think the Holiday Inn has a better <laughs> AC unit uh, than uh, than the DoubleTree. Yeah, no, I mean, I I'll miss the Holiday Inn. I really do enjoy the Holiday Inn. It's got a pool that we've never used yeah. and we never will use. <laughs> they had free, you know, lemon lime water only on Friday though. It's yeah. something that continues to irk me is that even as conventions, conferences, whatever, grow, they continue to have, as as our friend Drew would put it, the B team on weekends. Oh, yeah. Service on weekends is awful. Like, we came back on Saturday, and our room hadn't been cleaned up. Yeah, and the reasoning was there was one woman on staff, that's it, uh, cleaning, cleaning the rooms, which is ridiculous for a Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we left in the afternoon, but it wasn't that late. I mean, she saw us leave, and she didn't clean our room. It just annoyed me. Mind you, this staff, I don't know if it was the same woman, does not know how to freaking read a do not disturb sign. Oh, my God, yeah. Because those signs are supposed to serve a purpose. If they're on the door, you don't open the door. If they're missing, you go in the room. We had it on our door. And she still came in. You said, yeah, but you had the latch on. Yeah, no. If if we hadn't have had the latch, then uh, then I, it's very possible she might have just barged in while we were changing, which is not cool. The other thing about the Holiday Inn is their spotty ass Wi Fi, but at least they have free Wi Fi. Yeah, um, I definitely think it's going to be an essential uh, perk that hotels offer, but they need to figure out how to do it better because yeah. I've. I've had spotty, spotty Wi Fi going back like twelve years. Oh, totally. And they still yeah. haven't figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, it was it was a good weekend. Uh, we enjoyed ourselves for the most part. And uh, what you're going to be hearing next on this recording is actually in full our American Comics for Manga Fans panel, which was conducted uh, uh, Friday night at around, uh, I think it was, uh, what, 8 p.m. was our panel? 8.30. 8.30. in the room there. So go ahead and check it out. And uh, we'll be back in about uh, 55 minutes or so. I need photos. Photos of Spider-Man. This is a poetry journal. Okay, then poems about Spider-Man. And I want to finish before you start. And before you finish, give me some coffee. And the poems should have the following rhyme scheme. A-B-B-A-A-B-B-A-C-D-E-C-D-E. What are you waiting for, Chinese New Year? Hi, everybody. Welcome to American Comics for Manga Fans. Woo! Yay! Yay. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your pandering. This is, what, the fourth year we've been uh, doing yeah, this? this is the fourth time we've done this panel. 
I'm Chris Nautis. Hello, hello. I've been going to Anime Next since 2003, I believe. I've had a very scattered career in nerddom, which is <laughs> why I feel qualified to actually do panels, I guess. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, professional credentials, I'm not a guest here. I'm just a fan. If it's a fan panel, yay fan panels, because those are the crazy ones. And We're crazy. Yeah, I worked for Pokemon for five years. Now I work for Engadget. Nothing we talk about here has anything to do with that, those two jobs. Okay? Exactly. I just wanted to get that out there. You know, cause if you Google my name, it's out there. You know. po- Pokemon's a manga. But we are not doing manga no, we're for not. American comic fans. No, we're we not. We submitted that to uh, Special, Special Edition, Edition NYC, NYC and they turned us down. Yeah. Well, that's also because they had three panel rooms, so it wasn't exactly a lot to go around there. You didn't miss anything last weekend. Not just, really. Just in case anyone here was trying to go. Yeah. It, it was, was mostly very large, dark hall, uh, broken bathrooms, and half the people who went to the con were there to buy badges for New York Comic Con. Yeah. They literally walked in, went off to the left, and stood online for four hours. They paid $35 to stand on a line. It is a great business plan. Line con. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's, let's, uh, uh, my, name, my name is Ian Levenstein. My credentials are I'm a podcaster and I like hearing me talk. Uh, I, uh, I do the Comic Timing podcast, which I've now done for about nine years. Holy crap. Basically, we're just a ro- I'm just a part of a rotating panel discussion podcast. We just you know, talk about random comic discussions, get on my you know, friends of mine, fellow podcasters, occasionally actual creators, and shoot the shit about comics. And uh, that's kind of why we're here now, to talk about comics. Yeah, I mean, I've been reading comics for American comics for over 20 years. I'd say I've been reading manga for maybe 15. I used to go to Borders, like a lot of people did, and just sit there in the back reading manga. And this was the 90s. This wasn't even like the manga boom hadn't happened yet. But again, we're not here to talk about manga. Remember Walden books? That was a thing. Well, that's part of Borders. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we're we're here we're here like like the title says to talk about American comics that uh, might be of interest to manga fans or at least people who are cursory interests in American comics. Yeah, I don't recognize any faces. Has anyone been to one of these panels before? Okay. You are recognized. Yes, we. You <laughs> you're you're, you're one of our, our regulars, <laughs> man. That 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 works for us. Yeah. yeah. So we do switch stuff out. This is the fourth time we've done it. We don't do the same things every single year. We try to customize it to like what's in the theaters right now, what's on TV, what's popular. Like, I'm going to say like a lot. I, I can tell this is going to be one of those evenings. In in general, there was like a few oh, years ago. The reason we did this panel is a friend of ours who was a manga reader but didn't read American comics went to a panel like this, and then she came out. And she's like, "They just told me to read Watchmen and Sandman." I mean, what kind of bullshit recommendations are that? Yeah, I felt so bad for her because that was those are like the two things I would not recommend to new comics readers. So yeah. let's get that out of the way. The stuff that people will normally tell you to read, right. we are not going to tell you to read. We do have a section later on where we get, actually give some specific examples of things you should not read, but that's near the end. So we're not going to spoil that yet. Yeah, so let's get started so that we don't piss away you know, our entire panel time. <laughs> you do it this time, because I do. Oh my god, comics! There are so many things based on comics right now. It's ridiculous. It's just... Ah, oh, it's like, and a lot of these don't even resemble the original source material, which yeah. makes it even harder that if you're watching one of these shows or movies, and you're like, that's kind of cool. Oh, it's based on a comic. Maybe I want to read that comic. And then you open it up, and it's nothing like it. Commissioner Gordon knew Bruce Wayne when he was 10? What? I, I, Gotham grew on me. I'll admit <laughs> it. I, it grew on me for 
mostly the kid, which I thought I was going to hate him. I was going to hate Chibi Bruce Wayne. He was going to be the worst thing. And then I'm like, yeah. wait, this kid's actually a good actor. Also, the last two or three episodes were absolutely insane. I'm just going to put it out there. Like, if you actually watched it all the way through, those last two, like, two or three episodes are like, all right, we're renewed. We're going to do whatever the hell we feel like. And we're just going to just, like, run around screaming like, yeah. And that's yeah. basically what that episodes were. Yeah. So right now we're gonna basically go over some of the stuff that's out there right now in terms of like TV and movies and tell you what we think you should read. <laughs> Starting with Disney's Marvels, <laughs> the Shebang. Avengers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really love that image. I was just searching. I searched for <laughs> Thor the Disney Princess, and that was the only image that came up that was appropriate. And he, I don't mean there was like nude or anything. I mean it was the only image that was of Thor as a Disney princess. I was really disappointed in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so we start off with the Avengers, uh, and uh, you'll notice that uh, just to point out the slides, the numbers on the bottom, uh, those are actually uh, Isbins. That way, you yes. just type it in the Amazon, and you get the exact volume we're talking right. about. The, we choose books to try to um, to be affordable. We yeah. choose the paperback editions when possible. Stuff. Try to keep everything under thirty. Yeah. If it's over thirty, it's because it's like a compendium and there's like fifty issues in it. Right. I'm, I know everyone here is cost sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fir- the first thing that uh, that's on our list there, you'll notice also just says straight up available on Comicsology because for some reason, and this just mini rant here, Marvel and DC have a problem with keeping books in print that are relevant to their own movies and TV franchises, and Ultron Unlimited is a Avengers story that happened uh, in uh, one of the volumes that you can see there, Volume 3 of Avengers, that's, to this day, one of my favorite Ultron stories of all time. It was written by Kurt Busiek, great writer. We're going to mention him later in the panel as well. But the trade paperback has been out of print for like three or four years now. It's available in full on Comixology, <laughs> as I touch this touch screen, lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great... Uh, story and it's just a few issues there, you know, issues 19 to 22 which you can find in full either on Comixology or the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited program which is essentially like Marvel's Netflix. Like you've got whatever amount of comics that you want to read for the amount that you plunk down either month to month or for a year and you just keep reading comics over and over and over again. Keep reading comics and New comics are available six months after the fact. Yeah, there's a six-month delay, but if you don't really care about reading stuff that just came out, Marvel Digital Unlimited is great. I mean, the the monthly fee is $10. Yeah. They do have sales, like, all the time, like, oh, you can get a month for 75 cents, and I have a bunch of those codes stocked up for my personal use because I'm a cheapskate like (laughs) that. Just just like with Amazon, you can, quote-unquote, gift it to a friend, and that friend can be you. So yeah. stock up on codes and save some money. So yeah, we picked Ultron Unlimited because I was like reading the description and it's like, oh, Ultron fights the Avengers because he's trying to destroy Eastern Europe. I'm like, wait a minute, I saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the art is fantastic in it. Uh, if memory serves, that is actually George Perez art and he's one of the best comic artists of all time. And uh, yeah, it's totally worth uh, worth your time there. Very like detailed, a lot of line art. Not yeah. not as clean as like again. If you read a lot of manga, you're used to being very minimal. This is a little more detailed. Yeah, but it's it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and your next one on there, New Avengers. Yeah, after seeing uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, I was definitely in a like a New Avengers mood. So in the mid two thousands, they kind of like. They did Avengers disassembled and everybody quit and people died and it was sucky and there were no Avengers for a while and then they rebooted it into more of like a street team level. It sort of fits in a little bit with what's going on in the movies, but I was more in the mood for new Avengers because of Daredevil, which yeah. we're going to address in a bit. But like the Daredevil show, I 
was a little slow at first, but I eventually loved it by the end. And I kind of like Daredevil and all those street level heroes. And Daredevil was in New Avengers for a while. He I don't was, think he's yeah. in this arc, but it no. does have Luke Cage, yes. who is awesome. Luke Cage is amazing. I love Luke Cage. Yeah, so this is like a team that has uh, Spider Man and Luke Cage and Spider Woman. Yeah, Spider-Woman, who yeah. doesn't get her due now. She's kind of like a... Seek- How would I describe her? Spider-Man merged with Black Widow. That is Spider-Woman. That's pretty close. Like, people yeah. love Black Widow. I'm not a Black Widow fan. But then all of a sudden you give her spider powers, and I think she's like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> so that's Spider-Woman yeah. for me. Plus you got Captain America in there, Iron Man from time to time. And well, Yes, well, you're right. Wolverine was a part of that for a while. Yeah, Wolverine yeah. is only in the new Avengers because the writer, Brian Michael Mendes, said he wanted it, thought it would be hilarious if... He had Wolverine on his team, and all he did was, like, drink beers once in a while. Like, just appears, drinks a beer, and is like, bub, and then kind of, like, leaves. Smokes, smokes a cigar in the background, like, while everybody else is fighting. That, that was Wolverine's job for the first couple of arcs of New Avengers. Yeah. And House of M would be the third one on the slide Yeah, here. House of M came out just after New Avengers, so we're talking about two things that are closely related. So yeah. if you haven't read these, you'll read one, and then you read the other, and be like, oh my god, I got that reference, you know, to a, <laughs> do a total Steve Rogers there. And House of M is very much a Scarlet Witch story. It's totally story. Scarlet Witch. Again, because of the movie, I was like, "Here's this is a great Scarlet Witch story. Um, so she, it, the thing I just mentioned, Avengers Disassembled, was a totally her fault. You don't need to read it to understand House of M, no. which is why I can recommend it. I will never do that to you. That is mean to be like, <laughs> you have to read this, this, and this. So she kind of screwed things up, and the, it comes down to, well, she's danger to humanity. We might actually have to kill her. Yeah. And before, that's, that comes down to like the X-Men versus the Avengers. Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember who actually wanted to kill her, the Avengers? Uh, the, the Avengers, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and the X-Men were like, oh, maybe, but she's a mutant, and we totally stand up for mutant rights. Yeah. And before anybody can do anything, she's just like, you know, she kind of freaks out. Like, her brother's like, no, you got to do, you know, you got to work around it. And she rewrites reality. And basically creates a reality where all of the heroes that we know and love get what they've always wanted. So, like, uh, Captain Marvel, she was Ms. Marvel then, and, like, in this universe, she's, like, the most important hero in the world. Like, she's on billboards, and the government loves her, and, you know, she's got, you know, fan club. Like, everyone loves Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel. Now she's Captain Marvel. She's getting a movie. But back then she was Ms. Marvel. Carol Danvers. I'm sorry I'm getting a little confused there. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Spider-Man, his, you know, love Gwen Stacy did not die, so he has a family with her. Yeah. And my favorite... This is, and this is what the, turns the whole story around, is that Wolverine gets what he always wanted, which is to remember everything that's ever happened to him. Yeah. So he remembers his origin, like where he was born, his family, and stuff that has been hidden from him his entire existence in comics. It, and, it was pretty game-changing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he remembers that. He remembers the Weapon X program. And this is, again, I said the plot turns on this, is that he remembers the real reality. So he's like, I remember where I was born. I also remember this is not reality. So yeah. he basically... I should probably fix like, this. Have, what? I should probably yeah, fix this. Yeah, I need to go talk to somebody. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> so I love this yeah. story just because it's nice to see what everyone could have been in right. a different universe. Like yeah. what if they were allowed to do like the things that matter most to them. Black Widow. Black Widow doesn't get enough love. No. I and, said and I don't she, like her, but she does not get enough love. She, I will she's finally starting to get a little bit of love there. And the, that first uh, arc, that's the first uh, volume that's on there, volume one, she just had an amazing comic run uh, that uh, really didn't get enough press or enough love while it was coming out. Some of the most gorgeous, sort of painterly art uh, by, by, by Phil Noto uh, throughout this entire book. 
and it's very much uh, you know standard Black Widow spy stuff, but it's done beautifully. And yeah, uh, Black Widow isn't a superhero character really, or a superhero comic. If you like espionage type stories, you you like you know thrillers and stuff. You, that's what you read Black Widow for. Like that's the great thing about superheroes is that it's not a specific genre. It doesn't have to be one type of story. This is why you can have characters like Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange in the same universe and still be superhero titles, but one. You know, there's a sci-fi and fantasy. They're two different, you know, genres. Yeah. And Black Widow gets to be the thriller, espionage, yeah. spy genre. Which also leads into what's uh, second on the list there, which is Winter Soldier. I, I think you guys know of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, I think. Uh, well, this... <laughs> we uh, hope. Yeah. This is uh, the continuing adventures of, you know, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier in the Marvel Universe. And you do have characters like Black Widow showing up uh, to, to help out. There's a lot of Black Widow in it. There's also some Sharon Carter, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she showed up. And it's, again, it's more spy, espionage stuff. So if that's your bag, this is totally the type of thing to read. You don't have yeah. to have read the comics. They will reference stuff like, hey, you know, remember that time when Bucky was Captain America? Yes, that's that's a thing that happened. <laughs> but you don't have to have read those. Right. And uh, it, it does stand alone very, very nicely. Um, written by the guy who uh, really revolutionized Captain America and also introduced uh, Winter Soldier into the lexicon, Ed, Ed Brubaker, one of our favorite writers. Yeah. Secret Avengers is the uh, final thing on this list, and that's another sort of like espionage Avengers team. There have been multiple Secret Avengers. This specific one, which you know is in Volume One, let's have a problem. The, the whole point of that was there was a team of, of Avengers that, after the mission, would not actually remember they were on that mission. Like they would be able to do covert ops and stuff like that, and then just move on with their lives as if they never did anything like bad like you know maybe say like you know have to like get rid of a kid or something like that or you know like go in and like kill a bunch of people and that's what this version of secret avengers was all about i have like a look of horror in my face i'm like there are multiple titles where children are killed yeah yeah that does that does happen but uh, black widow hawkeye phil colson bunch of familiar faces were in secret avengers and i would definitely wind up giving it a go if you can yeah, so that's our spy espionage slide, if yeah. you're into that kind of story. Definitely. Ant-Man! I couldn't avoid it. It's coming out. I have to somehow justify the existence <laughs> of this movie by making a slide filled with some good <laughs> Ant-Man stories. So why don't you talk up some of the sure. stuff here? Uh, well, well, Volume 1, uh, this is actually not out yet, but it will be in about two or three weeks, uh, because this comic is very recent. Uh, it's written by Nick Spencer. And uh, it's the continuing adventures of Scott Lang, Ant-Man. You know, the uh, main Ant-Man that's going to be in this new movie. And uh, really, it's just about, like, him balancing his family life with, you know, being a, a superhero and, uh, and really, you know, trying to figure himself out. Because a lot of weird stuff has happened to Scott Lang in the Marvel Universe, which I'm not going to bother getting into because it's weird. And it's confusing, and you don't need to worry about it. You're supposed to make people want to read this. Oh, this is better than that. That's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, really, like it, it, the the art it, itself is also excellent in the book itself. Uh, you have the first issue. Uh, I haven't uh, handy. read it yet. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. That's why I'm asking him to talk right. about it. Right, but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely worth your time. It's available on Comicsology and uh, in trade. Like I said, uh, in about I think June 26, if I remember correctly. Uh, Irredeemable Ant Man. I've read more of that. Yeah. It's they. I guess they took the trades out of print because they want to promote the Ant Man that's going to be in the movie. But this was the third Ant Man, whose uh, name is what Grady. Eric O'Grady. Eric O'Grady. Yeah. Former Shield agent who stole the suit from Shield, so he could do things like you know rob 
you know, just like the original, uh, the yeah, like, movie, like, Scott, like Scott Lang, yeah. You know, so he could, yeah, so he could commit larceny, but also so he could do things like shrink down really small and and sneak into Carol Danvers, you know, Captain Marvel's shower and watch her shower from on top of the <laughs> shower head because he's a complete pervert like that. Or <laughs> that time he what, he was going to go beat up a supervillain and he showed up at the guy's like trailer and yes. ended up playing Wii with him instead. I remember that and and also stature that that one. Yeah, guy. and then he beat up the previous Ant Man's daughter. Screaming, "Who's your daddy?" While punching her in the face. So <laughs> it, it, w- it was really insane. Uh, but Robert Kirkman is the writer of uh, this series, who you might remember from Walking Dead and uh, similar properties. And uh, Phil Hester did the art, and it's it's definitely worth your time. FF Volume One. It's not Fantastic Four. It's actually a side series uh, that uh, was written by Matt Fraction. And uh, essentially, while the Fantastic Four were off, were off Earth. Uh, they needed the help of their fellow, you know, superheroes to keep their school running, like their school of like almost their school of gifted youngsters, like almost like the X Men are. And uh, that team consisted of She Hulk, Ant Man, uh, a one of Johnny Storm's girlfriends in a mechanical thing outfit. Yes, I'm not making this up, <laughs> and uh, a couple other heroes. And it's 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 slapstick humor. Uh, and it's totally different than everything else on this list. Uh, I guess maybe closest to Irredeemable Ant-Man in its humor, but a little less crude. So, anyways, again, give it a shot. Daredevil, I already mentioned how much I like the show, so this is the only time during this presentation where Frank Miller will be spoke of with respect <laughs> <laughs> and, and like any indication that I actually like his work because, you know, Frank Miller big comics writer basically the work he did in the 80s kind of like set the path for the next 20 or 30 years yeah i would not recommend his works lightly that's why again one of the reasons we made this panel is because people like you should read his dark knight returns you should not read his dark knight returns do not read his dark knight returns unless you've like read tons of batman and yeah and you know you like your grim dark right uh but yeah he did before he did what he did on Batman, he mm-hmm. was working on Daredevil for a while, and he's the guy. He he gave us Electra, right? Yes, and, he did. Thank yeah. you. I just mm-hmm. want to make sure I wasn't imagining. Yeah, no, that. he he created Electra. He basically made Bullseye what he is today, uh, and a bunch of other you know Daredevil like what you would consider like the heart of Daredevil is uh, is is what uh, is what he helped happen. Yeah, so. all the classic Daredevil stuff is in those first two books. The yeah. third one is the most recent Daredevil series. I will talk louder if I have to. <laughs> you know. Wow, they actually heard that. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but but yeah, Born Again uh, came before Man Without Fear in, in the list. A lot of what Born Again was, you'll wind up seeing in the Daredevil series uh, that much as a given. Man Without Fear is essentially an origin story, which uh, he did uh, a few years later, which essentially was the first season of Daredevil. Like, that black costume he's in, that's just about all the way throughout Man Without Fear. A whole bunch of the origin stuff that you saw was in that first uh, season. He revolutionized Daredevil. Doesn't mean he's a good writer elsewhere, but at least he wrote good Daredevil. That's what matters. I'll I'll recommend his Daredevil. Like I said, the third one is the most recent Daredevil series. It's written by Mark Waid, who's one of my favorite writers of all time. He's such a sweetheart. You know, he, um, Mark Wade's, uh, I would say his expertise is more like imbuing characters with heart mm-hmm. and like making them more earthy. I yeah. think you've read more of this. Oh, series yeah, no, and, and, and that's definitely the case here because uh, right before this, there was very much a like crime, dirty, grimy version of Daredevil out there that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. 
and this sort of resets Daredevil a little bit. Uh, Mark Waid brings him back down to Earth, brings back a little bit of the superhero elements without actually making it too, like, campy Silver Age, like, rah! Um, but... Uh, I don't know what that means. Neither do I, but I'm going to continue talking. Uh, And uh, he does a very good job with what he's presented. His run is actually just about to end. Um, So you can, again, read this first volume, see if you like it, catch up with it digitally if you want. finite runs, so you don't end up buying like 18 volumes. Yeah, it, it actually makes a big difference. Okay, on to the other company, as I refer to them as the Warner Brothers and Sister The Distinguished Competition, as Marvel used to call them. The female part's a little underwritten is my new catchphrase for anything in which I find the female representation inadequate. Yeah. Also, I really like that panel of Supergirl, like, scanning that lady's boobs. Yeah. (laughs) You know, for the people who might be listening to the recording of this, because we are recording this, it's like, it it is a Supergirl using her x-ray vision on a pair of fake boobs. Yeah. What's strange? My x-ray vision is picking up some weird plastic and you're, Supergirl! <gasps> yeah, I'm pretty sure the show will not be like that. But no. So since we mentioned Gotham, we decided to focus on more like detective-y Batman stories, mm-hmm. including Gotham Central, which is not about Batman. It is about the Gotham PD. It's and- a support team. Yeah, yeah, how much their job sucks because they work in a city that is populated by supervillains. <laughs> Batman will show up very, very rarely in the series. It's j- basically just about the the police force. And you've got Commissioner Gordon in there, but you've also got, uh, you know, Rene Montoya uh, and, a, and a bunch of other players that you've seen already in the Gotham show um, just, you know, throughout this series. Some really good crime work because that's what Brubaker does best, yes. really. So, trivia fact. Renee Montoya, Hispanic de- lesbian detective of the comics. Where did she make her debut? Anyone? Anyone? Oh. Yes. Yep, there you go. Batman the Animated One Series. One of the few characters to make that jump. Yeah. And she's awesome. It's like that and Harley Quinn. Basically. Who is she now in the comics? Bing. You, Boom. You, we don't have anything. Wait. Well, we, we, we do have. Hold on. No, no, here. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> I'm going to give you diabetes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Gotham Central was a while ago, by the way, but it's all it's being co- recollected because of Gotham, and this first volume has been reissued. You can definitely find it on the stands, you can find it on Amazon, and uh, wherever fine books are sold, and Comicsology. Hush. I love Hush. Hush is like my favorite fangirl Batman comic because it's about, you know, this villain who just is like, I know you, Bruce Wayne, I'm going to destroy everything you love. And I mean, it's, it's kind of, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that Batman finally freaking bangs Catwoman. And it is amazing. It's like yeah. the entire story is like, I have to fight this villain, but Selena is so attractive tonight. I, I, I kind of wanted the subtitle of Hush to be, finally. <laughs> like the entire, I mean, yeah, you move aside the, all the, yeah, the supervillain crap. It is ultimately, for me, it is a story about how Batman feels about Catwoman. Yeah. And then, of course, it's all like, I cannot be with you, for I am the knight. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents, if you have not heard by now, are dead. <laughs> Plus, there's also some Superman stuff in there, and that, 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 was, that was pretty awesome. There was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hush, remember, remember? I don't remember. Po- I just remember the kissing. Poison, Poison Ivy took control of Superman. Yes. And uh, wound up, Superman winds up beating up Batman for a while until Batman beats him up, and that's much more fun. Court of Owls is something that I'm a lot more familiar with than yeah, Chris. Yeah, he, he put that on the slide. I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> well, uh, it's the current run of uh, Batman. 
there's this thing you, that you might see mentioned in DC. They had a, this big, you know, since we mentioned reboots and relaunches earlier, they had this big reboot called The New 52, where essentially they took everything that happened before and said, hey, guess what? We're starting from scratch, except for a few things here and there, which makes things annoying. But everything is new again. And this was the first volume of the new Batman, of the new 52, written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo, who wrote, uh, who drew Spawn back in the day. He was really good. Yeah, he, he's, he's a excellent artist. And the whole Court of Owls thing was very much as much a mystery as it was, you know, super heroics. Like, there's essentially this, like, secret cabal that's been running Gotham all these years, and Batman has to investigate uh, how to get rid of them and just how much control they actually have. And that is the Court of, How- Court of Owls for you. And Scott Snyder's still writing Batman to this day, and he's He's actually he's he's reinvigorated the Joker and like done a other a whole bunch of other crazy stuff for the title. Scott Snyder also he's he writes American Vampire. He right? does indeed, yes. Which is a title I've recommended in previous years. Uh, we didn't put American Vampire in this presentation, but I do recommend it. It's uh, this like Western you know outlaw guy who gets turned into a vampire, but unlike the old school European vamp, this is, in their mythology like European vampires are a lot weaker than you know. Than what he's become, like he can actually yeah. he he can he can be a daywalker and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So he just totally screws shit up for them, and it's so fun. And side story written by Stephen King, correct? Because Stephen King co-created the series, right. but he does not write it, which is fine because mm-hmm. he is a novel writer. He writes eight eight, eight, eight pages a day. Yep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Superman. Ah, oh, hey, Superman! I'm the one. I picked everything on this slide because I am not a Superman fan. Let's get that out of the way. It yeah. doesn't mean I don't read Superman stories. I think when Superman is written, like you, when you get to the heart of the character, you can make a really good story. The first one I picked on here was All Star Superman. Like, if you just want a quintessential, solid Superman story, this That's is it. it. Like, yeah. Superman's origin is one page. It is four panels, and it's like dying planet, desperate parents, and it's just like these shots of like the planet blowing up and the rocket and and the Kents like opening up the rocket and finding him like it's very simple and then they tell his entire origin in like four panels yeah and then like the rest of the series does like the 12 labors of hercules but they put a superman twist on them so there's like alternate dimensions and and like going to the sun like there's like a base on the sun there's crazy stuff you know there's the one part where like lois is at the fortress of solitude and she starts hallucinating and thinking superman brought her there to like kill her Yeah, and and they included that in the uh, in the movie. There was a movie. Yeah, the yeah. movie condenses it. I didn't really like the movie, and then I read the st- story, and I was like, "Hey, the comic's really good." So. Yeah. Uh, Final night. Well, the other two stories I picked because of Batman versus Superman. I don't want to see that movie, and I, every time I see the trailer or any other stuff, I'm like, why yeah. are they fighting? We, we are not fans of the Man of Steel movie. I, I know that people are very, very split on that. We are on the side of, dear God, what did you do to Superman? Um, and uh, this is very much like back when Superman and Batman were still bros, you know, back when they you, they would still have side conversations. I and picked two of the most brotastic Superman <laughs> Batman stories I could yes. remember. Like, yeah. Final Night, I found out is out of print, so you just have to get it on Comicsology. Yeah, but it is there in full on Comicsology. It's it's a it's a mini series anyway, so there's only like four or five. Yeah, like issues. the the sun is dying. Yeah. you know, Earth's gonna be destroyed. Everything's sucky. Yeah, the sun, yeah, eater, the sun eater. Yeah, yeah, and, and basically, like because of that, everybody on Earth is like. Oh, so we might be dying like by next week. So you want to have heart to heart, 
and that's hard to hearts. There's um, Vandal Savage tries to steal the Mona Lisa because he figures, why not? It's the end of the world. Nobody's paying attention. But because, Batman is. Yeah, because <laughs> no. wouldn't you? I mean, please. And Public yeah. Enemies was also made into a movie, which uh, I actually liked a little bit better than All-Star Superman. I think they did a uh, better I, job with that. It's a pretty solid movie. I, I will pretty much sell you on this book. It does have the line, like Superman's like punching, uh, you know, like, this, the bad guy in it. And he's like, you just killed my best friend, meaning Batman. And I'm like, whoopee. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm having such a girl moment right now. My ovaries exploded. Yeah. But, but this is also back when uh, Lex Luthor was still president. I said those words. Anyone who did not know that that ever happened, this is great because as you... No, Warren Ellis yeah. once had this great quote. Like, So Lex Luthor was elected president in the DC Universe. And the way the, the writer, Warren Ellis, who has recommended who has written titles we've recommended in the past said like every day that Lex Luthor is in the in the Oval Office and does a good job he makes Superman look like an impotent dick <laughs> <laughs> so like this is one of those stories yeah. you could be like except by the end it kind of there, there's a let's break into the White House moment in this uh, book which is totally awesome in every it's way Lex Luthor he's the yeah. bad guy he's so, always the bad guy is this where he finally get kicked out he got yeah. kicked out in the movie yes. mm-hmm. yeah Green Arrow, which is just called Arrow in the TV show. But he's green, so Green Arrow, yeah. Um, I, I have the, uh, an audio book of, this, uh, nov- of the novelization <laughs> of Kingdom Come. Yes. And it's like a full drama, full uh, audio drama. And there's this great part that I always quote with him, and it's just like, because the character, you know, they're like, they're in a bar, and you hear the crowd noise. And one of them goes, it's an arrow, a green arrow. <laughs> I actually digitized that. It was only available on uh, on audio like tape at one point. I have point. the cassettes. I have yeah. cassettes. That's how old I am. I bought cassettes of this. So I digitized the cassette. The torrent might still be online, and if not, I might have to just. If anybody put it back wants up. a copy, just bug yeah. him. Exactly. After the show. But Quiver uh, was Kevin Smith's uh, essentially relaunch of the Green Arrow franchise uh, with Ali back in charge because uh, he was gone for a while. Ollie was dead. Yeah. That is that is the Kevin Smith story. So that was like, Ollie's dead. He came back from the dead. Nobody believed it was him because he was all young yeah. and 60s hippie environmentalist. If you're going to, if you get a left wing, like he was, everybody was just like, oh my God, you're so retro. I love you. <laughs> if, if you're going to read American comics, you're going to have to get used to the words. He was dead, but he got better. And that's what happened here Please. with Oliver Queen. That's where people have seen Dragon Ball. Yeah, I know. Right. It's very similar to that. Yeah. Dragon Ball is sort of an American comic in that way. Whole bunch I of coming really, back from the If dead. you have not read the Dragon Ball manga, I do recommend it. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the show because, you know, it had to pad everything out, but the comic is so compact. It's yeah. solid. It's fast moving. I love yep. that manga. There's a reason why it's a classic. Yeah, but yeah, Quiver brings Oliver Queen back into the DC universe. Uh, he doesn't have all of his memories. He's trying to figure out exactly what happened, where he is, what where his family is, and all that fun stuff. His Art- son is in it. I love his son. Yes, his, his son uh, is like. Half white, quarter Korean, quarter black, Buddhist, virgin. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure there's a bunch of other things I could tack on there. Yeah, but he's the complete opposite of Oliver Queen in every way. Like you know, Ali's like, like, yeah, I'm gonna stab this guy, and and Connor's like, pacifism. So that's that's pretty great. Your Green Arrow, you have arrows. (laughs) Yeah. So Archer's Quest. Archer's Quest followed up Quiver. Uh, It was written by Brad Meltzer, who uh, is mainly known for his uh, his novels, but political thrillers. Yeah, political thrillers. But he also does 
superhero comics. So there you go. Um, Archer's Quest uh, was pretty much like him tying up the loose ends of while he was dead. Like uh, the Shade, who is another one of my favorite characters, who showed up in uh, in Starman, a great series uh, back yeah, in the nineties. Which 90s. we didn't recommend. Maybe I should have put that yeah. on the slide. Maybe <laughs> next year. Maybe next year, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, they uh, he he tasks uh, Ollie to uh, you know find a bunch of items that went missing while he was gone uh, that once belonged to him uh, that you know if in the in the wrong hands could kind of be bad. And uh, it also has, uh, you know, Arsenal at the time, uh, Roy Harper, uh, who, you know, you know from the show, probably. And uh, Who watches y- Arrow, by the way? Anybody? Yay! Okay. Two people. Arrow's a good show. You should probably watch it. All right, whatever. Um, know, wait, I want to ask this person. Do you know why it's hilarious that Roy Harper was dating uh, Thea on the show? No? No? Okay, all right. Yeah, just, just go ahead. You didn't approve of it? Nah. Well, like, Ian would laugh hysterically because the thing is, like, on the show, Thea's nickname was Speedy, right? Yeah. And Roy Harper's original alias was Speedy. So, Speedy X Speedy! Yeah. <laughs> so he laughed. It was like character incest or whatever, so... Speedy's having sex with himself. Um, herself. Or herself. So, yeah, Archer's Quest is... The Isbin that we have on there is for the soft cover, which is actually now out of print. They're re-releasing it as a deluxe hardcover. But it's available on Comixology, and you can get that version of the soft cover for like dirt cheap online if you just like, go to Amazon. Yeah, I mean Amazon still has it. Yeah, so. yeah. I and mean. Green Arrow, Black Canary, is on there because Green Arrow and Black Canary are in the show. So yay! And this arc also involves Rachel Ghoul, who is also on the show. And uh, this was uh, basically Rachel Ghoul and his assassin league. Uh, it's Ra's al Ghul. Rachel Ghoul. Uh, no, it's always going to be Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, okay, um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's basically him and his Assassin League messing with uh, Black Canary and by proxy Green Arrow. So that was good stuff. Yeah, because the story continues in the volume three. I just didn't put volume three on there because mm-hmm. the slide would have gotten kind of yeah. cluttered. Judd Winnick, good writer, used to be on the real world. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're almost out of the TV zone here. Yay, Flash. <laughs> I was a big Flash fan in high school, so a lot of my favorite stuff is, is like old school stuff. That is not in print, which yeah. is, uh, we put, you picked Rebirth and Move Forward. Yeah. I'm the one who recommended like Born to Run. Yeah. That's from the, I'm, I'm just going to do Born to Run real quick. Okay. That, that was, it's Wally West, not the Flash that's on the show right now, but it's a very solid, like, here's his origin. You know, like, Wally West became Kid Flash when he was... He has, like, the most comic booky, crappy origin. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I'm going to visit my Uncle Barry's crime lab. Oh, no, lightning and chemicals have turned me into a super speedster just like my uncle in the exact same manner. What a coincidence. It's the... St- yeah. yeah, it's one of the stupidest origins, but this is kind of like that story kind of goes over like, well, you're a teenager who just got superpowers. What do you do next? So it's 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 got a, I'll use the word, a lot of heart. Yeah, and and also written by Mark Wade, who we brought up earlier. I love Mark Wade. Yeah. Uh, Rebirth, that's when Barry Allen first came back into the DC universe. Um, so it's a, it's a good way to, uh, I guess, really like see how they resituated himself. And there is Wally in there as well, plus the rest of the Flash family. Flash? is an interesting con like if you you can pick up any 
most flash books that you see in a store or in comiXology and there's a lot of interesting stuff in there because Mark Wade in the 90s was like oh there's a bunch of characters who have super speed and they all got it different ways and that's kind of dumb so he created like the speed force and you know this field of energy that gives people super speed <laughs> yeah. and that it chooses people the people that thinks it is worthy to have its power and he kind of tied by doing tying everyone together he created more of a family feel to right. this group of superheroes so they actually these are people who now go they hang out they fight crime together they go to barbecues together and i really kind of it, like it's pretty cool i think yeah. that's the strongest point of Flash in general. Like, yeah. you don't get that on the show because we're not at that point. It's only season one. Right. But the comics have this very familial feel, and it's, it is one of the selling points of the series. For and me. Jeff Johns does actually use the Speed Force to bring Barry back, so that works. Uh, Two sex machina. Yeah. Move Forward was the first New 52 Flash arc. Both Chris and I read it. Uh, Francis Manipole did the art and the writing on it. I wasn't exactly that, I'll admit, I wasn't exactly that sold in the writing, but the art is so beautiful. And it's yes. worth picking up almost just for that. Uh, but you might actually like the story better than we did, for, for all you know, because I, there were people that I know who uh, were also big fans of the story, so that's why it's on there. And it's Barry Allen's story. Just, just move on, otherwise I'm going to start reminiscing that's about high fine. school. Supergirl! That is going to be a show on CBS uh, this fall, uh, so make sure to look out for that. The first one on here, uh, Who is Superwoman? It's only really available on Comixology. I did include the ISBN if you want to try to track down the, uh, the out-of-print trade. But this was, uh, actually a friend of mine was the artist on this, but uh, Sterling Gates was the writer, Jamal Igel did the art, and it was sort of a reboot of Supergirl at the time, even though it was in the middle of her series. It really grounded her. Uh, she got a family, you know, she got uh, friends, and like really started like staying in one place for a large amount of time. And it looks like they're actually taking a lot from this series in uh, the new Supergirl TV show that's going to be premiering this fall. So I figure it would make sense to put it on there. And uh, The Last Daughter of Krypton is the first New 52 volume, uh, which I've heard some people uh, describe as Game of Thrones in space. I don't exactly agree with that, but at least some people have said that. So you can agree I or disagree really with those people. I really they saw last week's episode then. This was way before that. Yeah, so... Zambies. Okay, so here we are at the... We're out of the superhero zone. Yay! No more superheroes. I mean, actually, there are some superheroes later on, but we're out Almost. of Marvel and DC. I'm not... Yay. There is some Marvel snuck in, but we're out of the TV... Yes. Wow, I said we're out of... I'm so sorry, guys. So anyway, zombies. Yeah, so this is the horror thing. My Zombies and fallen angels and zombies and fallen... An- yeah. I Zombie, you know, which debuted on CW this season with, mm-hmm. you know, Rose McIver, I think is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the comic is nothing like the show. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird for us to even put it on there. <laughs> like the show is definitely basic zombie premise Veronica is Mark. the same. What? I mean, the basic premise is the same. Yeah, but... the girl gets bitten. Right. You know, and becomes they, a works and... in a coroner's office. Yeah, eats brains exactly, and gets the memories of the of yeah. the people that she eats. That's kind of where the similarities end because the show is like Zombie Veronica Mars. The comic is more, I don't know, if I want to say it's kind of more Buffy Supernatural esque. Yeah, I, even a little bit of Scooby Doo in some aspects. There's a lot of Scooby Doo, yeah. especially since uh, the cor- the other guy, the other coroner, like his character in the comic, which I don't even think is a coroner, it's just her yeah. friend, is a werewolf. So. Not not a werewolf. No, a were terrier. Yeah, a were terrier. Yes. Whenever there was a full moon, he turns he turns into a like five foot tall terrier, 
It's, and, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so he just he just takes that instead of you know hiding himself or something like that. He just stays inside and watches Netflix. Like that's that's all he does. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. The yeah. the, the art is by Mike Alred, who's mm-hmm. you know if you're not familiar with him, if you watch the show, you're familiar with him because they've been they use his art in the opening. Like they had him draw those cards for yeah. the opening, and then of course they kind of imitate his art for the uh, the interstitial cards. Yeah, they also uh, he also drew FF, which I mentioned earlier in this. Yeah. Uh, panel. This is it's what's different about also different about this zombie. Like I said, it's more supernatural based. Like the cause of the zombie bites or whatever isn't max rager spoilers sorry yeah. if you haven't watched the season it isn't it isn't like disease based or anything it's it's explained in the first volume as i won't spoil the whole of it but there is a, it's more of a supernatural thing it yeah. has to do with spirits and which like, they could very well get to in the show in one way or the other but i don't think they would because I, yeah. I think it's the starters the cw i can see them saying look we already have supernatural and right. vampire diaries and those shows for yeah. that kind it's of why crap. it's why they didn't pick up constantine after it got canceled so yeah. Oh well. We had Constantine on the slideshow last year. Yes. Lucifer. This year I replaced it with Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can you can get into Lucifer because uh, you know more about it than I do. Because you haven't read the book yet. No, I haven't. Although I have, I have seen, Luth- I have read Lucifer's appearance in Sandman. So he got, he gets the first trade and he like dumps it on my end table and he's like, "Hey, I got this," and I'm like, "I'm the one who ends up having to read it." It's like this huge book. Yeah. So this is. Long ago, in the 1990s... 1990s? DC, you know, started an imprint called Vertigo, and they put all their darker, horror, dark fantasy, creepy comics over there. Yeah. But a lot of them came from the DC Universe, so for a while, most of Vertigo was stuff still set in the DC Universe. And then eventually they got a lot of creator-owned comics, many of which we will highlight here, or a few, I should say. Uh, Lucifer is one of those ones that's still set in the DC universe, despite coming out years later. It's takes if you've ever heard, you know we mentioned Sandman earlier. If you haven't read Sandman, it's probably something you should read at some point in your life. <laughs> Uh, which was, you know, a series all about how, like, all the gods that have ever existed were real because we believed in them, and as people stop believing them, they lose powers. And the main characters in Sandman were the Endless, which were the embodiment of, like, human attributes. There's, you know, there was destiny, death, dream, you know, desire, uh, despair, delirium, and destruction. Yeah. Yeah, I named them all. Woo. Go me. Not a fake geek girl. You know things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, in the events of, this, of the Sandman, devil quit. Lucifer was just like, I'm done with this. I'm leaving. I'm cutting off my wings. And by the end of the Sandman, he turns up running a bar, a, a, lo- a cocktail lounge in Los Angeles. And this is where the series picks up. Yeah. In that, you know, he's, he's having fun. He's doing his thing in L.A. And all of a sudden, this other angel comes in and is like, God needs you to do something, like, right now. And, <laughs> And, you know, and he's kind of like, okay, but I'll need a favor. And they're like, fine. So he ends up having to go on, like, these missions. He's on a mission from God. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and it's sort of like a, I can't really say it's a detective story because that's what the TV series is going to be about. Yeah. Because but, because things need to be either detective stories or detective stories for TV. Yeah, this isn't going to be like a standard TV detective story. Like, the comic is more like, well, I, I, I pull on this thread and all of a sudden there's like a giant, you know, like 500-foot angel staring at me. That's yeah. the kind of stuff the comic relishes right. in. It, it has things like Babylonian gods. And I know, I got to move. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walking Dead. We always recommend this because, you know... 
let's face it, it's a good comic. It's yeah. A, the show I can go either way on. The comic is pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, the, the compendiums are, like, if you really want to catch up on a bunch of Walking Dead comics, this is the way to do it because there's like 48 issues per compendium. So you're, you're going you're gonna to get, get them out in all in one fell swoop. And they're actually not that expensive uh, for, for they, they paperbacks. They try to make them as cheap as possible. Yeah. Like that's the good thing about as years go by, yeah. they start reprinting them cheaper and cheaper and yeah. cheaper. So and volu- vol- volumes one and two yeah. are out so far. Volume three will be out in October. Uh, so you can pre-order it now if you want to on Amazon. And the good thing about pre-ordering things on Amazon, as you know, is that if they go down in price while you pre-ordered it, you get it for the lowest price. So yeah. that might be worth uh, it. I wanted to call attention to volume, to compendium three because that starts like... I'm not going to say it's like Mad Max <laughs> because it's not. Yeah. But if you're sort of interested in like... Uh, post-apocalyptic wars, like people going to war in the post-apocalypse. That is totally what happens yeah. in Compendium Three. It's Definitely. This, this. I mean, what they're hinting at on the show, but haven't done, is like this guy who basically controls all these different communities. Like he extorts food from them, and his own community. He's got his little. He's got his equivalent of war boys, and he has his women that he rapes, yeah. and it's awful. And then Rick, you know, our erstwhile hero, is just like, "I'm done. We're not doing that. That's yeah. crap." and I'm going to kill you. And I will do more. whatever it takes. And that yep. is like this long story arc of having to organize yeah. uh, f- forces to take this guy down. And in my opinion, it really revitalized the comic because for a little bit there, it was sort of like doing the same thing over and over again, and this this changed things up there. All right, Preacher. Preacher, also a TV show. God, there's so many TV... Next yeah. year, we're going to have to like stop we're, talking yeah, about TV. We'll, we'll, we'll the, change yeah. it up, yeah. So Preacher, I read this long ago in high school, and now I'm going to have to reread it. Uh, written, so, by, written by Garth Ennis, correct? Yeah, so apparently a demon and an angel got it on and had a baby. Everybody was freaked out by it. You know, God was like, I'm out of here, and he quit. <laughs> and the demons were just like, we can't have this thing around. It's, it's horrible. So, like, the baby kind of fled the earth and ended up invading the body of this preacher, Jesse Custer. Yes. Yeah. Jesse Custer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ends up, like, he's at church when this happens, and it, like, invades, you know, infests him, and he ends up killing everyone in the church. So he basically has to go on the run, because, for starters, he just killed a bunch of people by accident, and heaven and hell want him gone because he has this thing inside him, which gives him awesome powers. (laughs) Of course. I mean, the power he uses the most in the series, the one that comes out, is the fact that he can do the whole, like, tell you what to do when you do it. Yeah. Which... Kind of does not turn out well when he like tells a guy to go fuck himself. Yeah, Arseface, right? Is, or, no, or that is was that... Arseface's dad. Oh, okay. Arseface is a character, is a kid who tried to emulate his hero Kurt Cobain and blow his brains out and screwed it up and ended up with a face that looked like an Ooh, ass, a puckered ass. The nineties. Yeah. Well, this is Garth Ennis, who is for shock value. That is what he yeah. writes. If you like gory things, you like things that just kind of like. Oh my God! How yeah. do you think of this? This is the craziest. You're not going to find a political thriller with uh, with Garth Ennis. That much I'll guarantee. There's inbreeding yeah. and incest. I mean, obviously there's yeah. incest if there's inbreeding, but there's yes. it's there's a lot of it's horrible things. Creepy. It's a good story, but it you have to have the stomach for yeah. that kind of stuff for kids with faces that look like puckered butts. Hey, you hey know? speaking of kids. Yay! Lighthearted comics! Yay! In case we haven't scared you away by talking about horrible things, and now here are the comics, completely you, different. the comics your kids can actually read. Yes. Young Avengers. 
Uh, Young Avengers is exactly what the title says. Um, it's sort of the next generation of Avengers. Uh, there have been multiple versions of this team. The one that we're mentioning here is the most recent uh, with uh, wonderful characters like Miss America Chavez, uh, your favorite character, <laughs> Marvel Boy. Uh, hey, he's called the Protector now. No, he's not. It's like the worst <laughs> superhero name. <laughs> not I mean, on my is, watch. I mean, it is it is realistically written teenagers. Yeah. Uh, the storyline in this particular volume, or rather that runs through the series, is yeah. that they kind of have to go on the run because of like this evil entity that's kind of emulating their parents. And no matter when they try to go to the real Avengers for help, nobody believes them. Yeah. That's like the whole theme of the series is like you can't depend on your parents, which right. is, it's kind of awful. It's a horrible message, but it's really well done. <laughs> it's also, I'm going to say, it, it kind of checks off the diversity mm-hmm. scorecard because oh, yeah. we have, you know, we got people of color. We've got... You know, gay characters. We've got Actually, bisexual there is only characters. one straight character on that entire cover right there. Yeah. Can you guess which one it is? Well, you can try. Seriously, uh, anybody? <laughs> anybody want to take a try? Nope. Um, nope. Well, there's two females on there. Nope. <laughs> I'll save us the trouble. It's Hawkeye. It's the the girl in purple. Yeah. Everyone else is like gay or bi on that cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kate Bishop. She's awesome. Yeah, she she actually was shocked to realize she was the only straight yeah. person on the team. It but yeah, was kind the, of, the omnibus is a way to read it all, or you could just read it volume by volume. Yeah, we do it the cheap way there. or the expensive way. Ms. Yeah. Marvel is amazing, and you should all read it. That's all. You know, that's almost all I want to say about the character. No, we, we, but we'll get, say more. You kind of have yeah. to talk it up. It's yeah. this. This made a lot of waves last year. Um, so this is the current Ms. Marvel. I kept saying Ms. Marvel before, and I meant Carol Danvers. This is the... Kamala current, Khan. Yeah, she is a Carol Danvers, you know, Captain Marvel fangirl. She writes fanfic. Yep. She cosplays. She does all the things, and then one day, she gets superpowers and starts looking like Captain Marvel, and she's like, what's going on? This is crazy. Oh, wait, I have superpowers now. And they're shape-shifting powers, so eventually she's like, okay, wait, I am not a blonde white lady. I am a <laughs> Pakistani-American teenager from Jersey City. Yeah. Yeah, and Jersey, yeah, Jersey City, like, the, the, they bring Jersey City alive in this It's totally this like you don't mess with Jersey City. That seems to, like, come up every other page. I yeah. kind of love it. But. Both the writing and the art is great, yeah, and the, it's, it's filled with youth and, and liveliness. Like, the editor works on the title, who helped create her, is a Pakistani woman. If I, is she Pakistani? Uh, she's Muslim. So. I yeah, can get that. She's definitely the, Muslim. Yeah, the writer is, is Muslim, even though she's, she's from Boston. She's, like, super white, but she converted. Exactly. Yeah, you know, she um, G Willow Wilson, great writer. Yeah, who we'll bring up later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ms. Marvel has a, has a Lockjaw, the giant teleporting dog. Yeah, she gets to take selfies with Wolverine. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just fun. Yeah. It is pure joy. And again, like people were talking about diversity sakes, it's she's a you know a Muslim teenager, and that kind of informs it forms her worldview yeah like when she's trying to decide what's the right thing to do and you know like she goes to the imam and he's just like look i can't give you any practical advice because i know you're not going to listen to it unless you like it just go with your heart because i trust you you are a good person yep you know that kind of stuff it's like all it's very heartwarming stuff very much so the wicked and the divine yeah so we're kind of i'm i'm it yeah actually it is a book about teenagers now that i think about we mentioned sandman earlier it's I would say this is probably the modern equivalent of Sandman that we have right now. The premise is that every, I believe it's 90 years, a group of teenagers become gods incarnate. They become different gods like Thor or uh, Amaranth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. really, Morrigan and a bunch of different gods. Yeah. And they become celebrities and they do awesome things and they 
die within two years. Yeah. So this series is covering like from when the latest batch of these superpower teenagers emerge and like get their and you know get their celebrity and like war with each other yeah. and people are trying to destroy them. And, and it's written by the same guys who wrote Young Avengers and written and drawn by that same team. Yeah, so. it's it's a gorgeous book. You can yeah, yeah we're, we're we're like so short yeah. on time now. Rat queens. Rat queens. Uh, if you like D and D, you like you know medieval fantasy uh, or you just like a bunch of kick-ass women saying really nasty things to orcs as they slice their head off this is your title it's basically an adventuring party of four women there's like different classes different races and everyone hates them because they're adventurers adventurers add nothing to the local economy so you know (laughs) so like go go kill some monsters get out get the hell out of town it's like that kind of title but there's like different there's plot arcs. I know the first plot arc involved uh, the town wanted to get rid of them so badly it sent every single adventuring group on an impossible mission. Nice. Nobody came back except for like the Rat Queens and maybe half of one of the other teams <laughs> because they're that awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Alternative superheroes. Yeah. So if you got if you hated listening to us talk about Marvel and DC for freaking half an hour, these are the other guys. Yeah. There's plenty of superheroes that are not Marvel and DC. Yeah. And Here's here yeah. here's two here's two of them right here. Powers, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote New Avengers that we mentioned earlier, and uh, with art by Michael Avon Oming. There's a show on the PlayStation Network right now uh, that's available. You got a you got a question? Uh, we we are very close. Uh, but anyway, Powers is very much a down to earth uh, superhero story. Uh, these are the detectives that investigate issues with uh, with powered uh, beings. And one of them also happens to be a former. They are cops. Yeah. They investigate superheroes. That's that's pretty that's much the it. premise. Yeah, Ex Machina. Ex Machina is one of my favorite titles. It's uh, a guy who gets superpowers, and he's a terrible superhero. You know, he's an engineer, so he gives himself a stupid ass name, Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. And he's really bad at being a superhero, so he retires, and instead he runs for mayor. Yeah. And he's not going to win because he was such a terrible superhero, but. Oh, wow, it's September 2001. Gee, hmm. I wonder what happened then. Yeah. Oh, look, there's an airplane headed downtown. Maybe I should stop it. Hey, I stopped it. I'm the mayor. <laughs> so that is like his entire, you know, his mayorship is based on the fact that he stopped. He was only able to stop one of the planes. Yeah. So there's like one tower. Yeah. And it kind of like picks up on him just trying to be the mayor, being really bad at it. Where life goes after that. Yeah, and then there's, you know, other thing, like where he got his powers from start to interfere with his ability to be mayor and stuff. It's... Oh, in in some ways, although I am watching West Wing right now and it's pretty damn good. Um, Astro City. Uh, Astro City is very much an entire superhero world uh, that Kurt Busiek has built. Kurt Busiek sort of distanced himself from Marvel and DC and decided, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to make my heroes. They're not even really like copies of anything that Marvel and DC has done before. It's a very unique series with a bunch of great artists to back them up. Uh, so I would definitely give it's it a, a shot. A little more positive, more elevated. This was yeah. the '90s when everything was dark. So yeah. he's like, I don't want to do something dark. I want right. to do something hopeful, and that makes you like the people that superheroes. It's are. also been running forever, and yeah. like this, this is like the fourth reissue of yeah. this first volume here. Also running forever, Invincible, Invincible, which I love recommending. Like that is one of those ones where I can tell you if you like Dragon Ball, but you, you know <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, but wished it was more gory. 
That's Reed invincible. invincible. It yeah. has aliens. It has people getting punched in the head mm-hmm. and their heads exploding. <laughs> it has alien, entire alien species that looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> they all have deliciously wonderful mustaches. Well, not the women, but the not women the women, still have yeah. the haircuts. Yes, yeah. And they're all superpowered. There's superpower fights. Yeah. It's just there's I, some great alternate reality stuff going going through this. Like any any bit of superhero action that you wanted to see without the limitations of it being Marvel or DC, that's what you have with this. And it's written by Robert Kirkman, the writer of The Walking Dead. So he that's does what, all the yeah, things. Exactly, okay. he yes. is great okay, at let's it. Move along. All right, okay. what's who the read? Yeah, that's that's a shot from the Hawkeye comic. Let's all let's all just amaze ourselves that somebody cosplayed as that uh, to a con once actually that exact thing with the Hawkeye emblem and everything. Yeah, okay. All right, so, Matt Fraction. Matt Fraction's written. I mean, he's written the stuff I've mentioned here. He wrote the Hawkeye, uh, Invincible Iron Man, which was the title they launched after the first movie came out. Mm-hmm. It was about Tony Stark rebuilding from the ground up and being like, again, like in the movie, I don't want to be a weapons manufacturer, so I'm going to build cell phones and I'm yeah. going to build cars. And it kind of takes off from that, and yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Sex Criminals is new. It's really awesome, or at least I think it's awesome. It's about uh, a girl who, whenever she has an orgasm, time stops. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. And she does little weird things on the side with it, you know, because what are you going to do when time is stopped? And then she finds a guy who has the exact same power. So, of course, they start dating. And then they're like, hey, we could do stuff while time is stopped. Let's and rob banks. Yeah, that's where it comes in. It's like, we're going to rob the bank to help save the library she works at. Because yeah. that's, that's a great business plan. It gets weird in, there are, in, in there all is, the right ways. There is like a sex police. Yeah. You're not yeah. supposed to abuse your time-stopping orgasm powers, and they're going to stop these people no matter what it takes. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, Saga, we recommend it just about every year. It's amazing. It's one of the best uh, science fiction series around right now. He wants it now. to be sort of like Star Wars, but it's a lot weirder, quirkier. Yeah. It has dirty language in it. It has titties. Yeah. It has robots having sex. <laughs> Why the last man? What if there was only one man left on Earth after a plague wipes out every man on Earth but you? Uh, and his monkey. And his monkey. Uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's very much a, almost like, a, would you say it's like a caper series? or what, uh, By Last Man? Yeah. It's a post-apocalyptic yeah. journey series, as most yeah. post-apocalyptic stories are. It's right. like, I need to get from point A to point B. And yeah. this, the point B is, well, we need to find out why you didn't die right. in this male apocalypse. Yeah. So let's go to this lab and we'll study you. And all the way, there's like people trying to kill them or to, you know, take him as breeding stock since he's the only dude. Yeah. There is a... Is Israeli soldier, a female Israeli soldier who wants to kill him or rather fight him because she believes she should die in battle and it should be at the hands of a man. <laughs> and uh, crazy. We, we already mentioned Ex Machina, so I'll just mention Runaways real quick. Uh, Runaways was sort of like almost like Young Avengers before Young Avengers, only it's uh, what if you find out that all of your parents are evil? Uh, and it's basically uh, your parents the kids are super villains. That. So what do you do? Oh, well, yeah. you form a super team and you run away from home. Yeah, of course you do. Of course. Okay, moving forward. G Willow like Wilson. G Willow Wilson. I mentioned her already, so I don't really need to talk up too much of this. A Force is a all female Avengers yeah. that she's writing right now. Yep. So if you like any of those characters, you like She Hulk, you like Medusa. This is just it's lady extravaganza. Yes. All right, we'll, we'll move. We'll move yeah, forward we, here. We pretty much talked up. Yeah, I think yeah. we can kind of just. Uh, Gail Simone. I'll mention real quick. Gail Simone is one of the best writers of female characters in all of comic books right now. She's revitalized Red Sonia. She's one of the best 
birds of prey slash Batgirl writers of all time. And Secret Six is just like, it's six villains. That's what it's about. Not six heroes, six villains and where they go uh, in their antics. So that's, that's totally worth it. Gail Simone, give it a shot. Uh, what not to read? We're going to get in that real quick. Uh, unless you want to hate comics. Do not read this stuff. These are the kind of things that like somebody says, you should read this, and yeah. then you read it, and you're like, I don't get it. What yeah. the hell? I don't want to... Yes, we did. Yes, we went there. Um, we, <laughs> Joss Whedon, he might be great at planning things, but he's not so great at writing things, and especially when it comes to comics. He has major issues with women, which is weird because he's Joss Whedon, and he created I don't really need to describe that. Buffy. You can just Google Joss Whedon yeah. feminism, and you will probably find a ton of like right. articles on the Mary Sue telling you his issues. But most importantly... Someone always gets weedened. It happens over and over again. Somebody that you love is going to die, even if they don't have to, because he's Joss Whedon, and that's all he freaking does. I could does. spoil the end of the Buffy comic if anybody wanted me to, but I won't do we it. We won't on this do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Frank Miller, everything but Daredevil, just skip. Okay. He's racist. He's sexy, and he's nuts. Sexist, sexist and he's nuts. <laughs> that is the worst slip I could have possibly said. But you know what? Fine, I guess I think he's sexy. Um, <laughs> and no, you know it. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he has been, he's gotten worse and worse over the years with his, uh, with his politics completely taking over his comics. This Holy thing? terror. Yeah. Holy terror. It, it started out as a Batman comic. What if Batman goes on the hunt for Osama bin Laden? Why would anyone care? The only reason it's not a Batman comic is because we actually yeah, we're, we're killed Osama up. bin Laden. So it's yeah. like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. And last but not least, if you see this on the stands and you're at all curious about it, do not read it. It's called Convergence. It's really only for people who have been fans of comics for 30 or 40 years that are missing the characters that New 52 got rid of. It's like, hey, we're moving our offices to California. We're going to create this uh, this this thing over two months to placate those people and bring those characters back for two months. It's not worth it for anybody Because we all know that 40-year-old white men are the future of comics. Yeah, apparently so. And so I'm 35, that, so yeah. you know, and you're, you'll be there yes, eventually. But that's that's what we got here. Don't give it a shot. It's confusing as hell, and it's just pandering. We want to thank you guys for being here for this panel. Much appreciated. We have free comics that we're going to give out to you people now if you if you're interested. Uh, yet again, and I have business cards as well. ComicTiming.net is my podcast. She's on it sometimes as well. Thank you. Yay! Yay! Thank you for putting up with our poorly paced uh, panel. We'll work on it. <laughs> it's over! All right, and that's that. Hope you guys enjoyed the panel. Uh, the actual uh, presentation, the actual slides for that are available. Go to the Comic Timing uh, Facebook page, and I've posted it there. But I'll probably also link to them in the show notes uh, for this episode as well because uh, we made PDFs out of that so that you can look at all of our lovely, lovely slides. And uh, Chris did most of the legwork on that, so I thank her for that. Yay. Yay, you did stuff. Yay. And, uh, yeah, there goes Special Edition. There goes Anime Next. And uh, next episode you hear will be Brent and myself and probably somebody else uh, shooting the shit about uh, what's happened the last couple of weeks. I know we have some movies to talk about and some comics to talk about as well. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Should be good times. Uh, Chris, thank you. Adios. Bye-bye. We're sponsored by DCBS, Discount Combo Service at DCBService.com, where you can get 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, plus 40% off of Marvel DC Image and Dark Horse single issues. 
and uh, good deals on all of your indie stuff as well and bundles usually 50 percent off bundles uh, on the site as well so check them out there and uh, go to their uh, comicsology store front to save a little bit more at uh, Discount Combo Service. Thank them for their sponsorship. Email address, timing at gmail.com, facebook.com slash timing for all of your comic timing stuff. And proper members of the Comics Podcast Network over comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over comicbooknoise.com slash league. As I'm looking now at the trunk statue that Chris got. I remember Chris got a trunk statue. Yay, that was awesome. And uh, that's what she got of that way next. All right, and that's that. As always, there's always time for comics. seconds really really you're counting down yeah what the hell else? i don't know my phone says it's 828 why are you disagreeing with t-mobile mine says 829 and mine <laughs> mine is my watch <laughs> it's the only reason i have my phone here didn't didn't, didn't apple tell you anything that watches matter more than anything else mommy and loving screen blah 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 is that what i sound like so so I sound like the parents from the peanuts until suddenly I turn into puppy cat. Yeah, pretty much. 